welcome to Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. I am your host, Ben Kay. We are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions. And today's question is... When a dog is making a movie, like, what do you think is going through their minds? Like, I was thinking about that, like, a lot. And the stage show as well. Like, what do they think is happening? That is... The panel is open. That is... I I don't know why I've never thought of that. And it's upsetting to me that that's never crossed my mind. Um, I think it's probably just like, there are so many friends here and all of them want to pay attention to me. And I think that's probably very thrilling. And this one has two dogs. This one has two dogs. Nina, you have, uh, because Bran, you do not have a dog, right? No. Nina, meow, meow. (laughs) Love it. Mean cat. I have no mean cat. I have no pets. Nina, you have a you have. I a have dog. a dog. You have met my dog. You have admired my dog. Um, cute <laughs> very dog. cute dog. Uh, Lux. Yes, my tiny Australian shepherd mm-hmm. companion. My bruiser, as it were, goes everywhere <laughs> with me. <laughs> if it could could Lux be in a play? Do you think or a no. movie? Um, because sometimes <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes she just refuses to take direction out of uh, either spite or she thinks we're playing a game. So sometimes uh, I'm like, oh, come here, come here. And she just kind of sits there and makes direct eye contact as if to say, no, I'm good. So no, she would not do well on stage or on a film set because she's way too willful and doesn't really care what you want. That's, you know what? You'd have to have like a jacket Um, lined with uh, T-R-A-T-S, which I have to spell because she's right near me and I don't want to deal with that right now. That's very funny. Um, why are we talking about dogs? Well, today's episode, of course, is about the 2001 feature film, Legally Blonde, directed by Robert Lukatic. I'm sorry if that's not how you pronounce his last I, name. That sounds right. I'm guessing it's Robert Lukatic. Um, and of course, it's subsequent 2007 musical theater adaptation, Legally Blonde, the musical, with a book by Heather Huck. And music and lyrics by Nell Benjamin and Lawrence O'Keefe. Um, and of course, of course, as always, is our producer, Bran Moorhead, is here. Bran, how are you? Just peachy. <laughs> it is snowing. Te- the snow here is terrible in this storm um, of the century in Chicago right now. It's for, yeah, for crazy. those listening in the future, this is the day after Valentine's Day. Uh, it is very snowy. Um, it is a wild time. Uh, and in Texas as well, it's also very snowy, which is kind of bananas right now. I'm not in Texas. I've just heard. Um, but also here to discuss these two pieces of art um, is a wonderful human being. Uh, currently works as a staff writer uh, for Looper. Um, she spends her time uh, between, of course, the two greatest cities in the world, uh, Paris and Philadelphia. Um, That's correct. They, they, they are the two greatest cities <laughs> on planet Earth. Thank you for correctly identifying them as such. <laughs> uh, the wonderful Nina Starner is here. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having Hi. me. How's it going? <laughs> also, Nina and I. Uh, also, Nina and I went to college together. Yes. God, what, over a decade ago. Yes, we're very elderly now. And if anybody would like a lot of pictures of uh, one Benjamin K in a Wilfred costume wearing Kanye West uh, yes. window shade sunglasses, I have exactly one of those photos, and I'm happy to share it far and wide. To be fair, 
they're not like I don't think like the the window shades again like stupid thing yeah. um like a stupid thing yeah. uh that dumb college people wore um I don't think those like were exclusively a Kanye thing were they I always he was in his music video yeah sure. I think he really popularized them so I was it was a bit jarring to see Wilfred wearing them because there was no previous connection between the television series that aired on FX Wilfred and Kanye West's window shade sunglasses but you somehow married those two worlds together you made it work <laughs> it's so it's so funny because like wilfred first of all just wilfred's a fascinating piece of television yes uh it was an australian television series uh about uh, a man imagining mm -hmm. uh a, a dog who is just a person in a dog costume um, and then they remade it for American yes. television. Same actor playing Wilfred. Yes, but they had the Frodo yes. fucking Baggins his, playing against uh, excuse him. Excuse me, his name's Elijah I know Woods. what his name is. I've had a crush on him for many moons. <laughs> and But I also almost feel like that that's like... I mean, because that show ran for quite a few mm -hmm. seasons, but it's almost like a minor dent in sort of his pop culture footprints, which is kind of fascinating. Well, I mean, I don't it's, know. it's funny because obviously Elijah Wood just never needed to work ever again after Lord of the Rings. Like, he could happily sure. retire and just never do anything. He could have pulled, pulled a Zach Braff and just never done anything after That's, his uh, yeah. big hit. Exactly. And so I think... Just date for yeah. a few. That's yeah. the only <laughs> yes, thing exactly. that Zach Braff has done that's worth anything in recent history. Yes. Um, but Very no, true. I mean, I think he probably was trying to break out of the Frodo mold, to be honest. And he just picked a really, like, I mean, we saw Daniel Radcliffe do that. You and I literally saw him do that mm -hmm. because we actually happened to see him in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying on Broadway once, once upon a time. A show, a show we will not, we won't cover no. on the podcast, not based on <laughs> um, but, but Was he nude in that one too? No, but I saw Equits <laughs> and um, uh, two thumbs up. Very good play. Also a very good um, play. <laughs> how old was he at that time? Old Over enough. 18, he must yeah. have been. He was, right? he yes. was definitely old enough to party. I was going to yeah. ask how his penis is, but I didn't want to, you know, get in trouble. Oh no, that's what I was giving the two thumbs up to. The play was also very good. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of thumbs. <laughs> I I would say Daniel Radcliffe's best performance is in Swiss Army. I knew Man. you were gonna say Swiss Army. <laughs> At, yeah, it's a great. He, he's a great movie. He plays a corpse. Right. Um, just fantastic. Actually, to tie that um, to Elijah Wood, the two of them are appearing on Empire Magazine's uh, cover for February, I believe, or March, right. I guess, that uh, celebrates like the 20 year anniversary of kind of both of their franchises. And sure. uh, they're both aging like fine wine. So congratulations to Elijah Wood and Daniel Radcliffe for, for looking sharp. Was, you said that they were celebrating like 2001. Like that I kind think of... so. Um, I believe it well, was the 20th. Well, funny you say yeah, that, Nina Stana. Wow. I thank you for loop, looping it back. I did um, not plan uh... that. I really didn't. <laughs> well, sucks because now we're back. Um. We're back. A dinosaur story. Anyway, two thousand one. <laughs> um, the, the the previous film uh we discussed um in recording order um was a two thousand one film Shrek. Hmm. Um, strange time for for cinema. Um, very weird time for cinema. Yes. <laughs> very very similar films, I would say. Shrek and Legally Blonde. Kind yes. of. Yes. Uh, sh basically the same movie. <laughs> uh, They're films almost about indistinguishable. <laughs> Films about finding yourself? I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, Films about the don't judge a book by its cover, kind sure, of. I think that's sure, actually very exactly true. it. Brand for the win on that one. 
This is a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. And we're going to cover a whole spectrum of how that has happened. Uh, and sort of, we're really interested in the sort of how something gets adapted from medium to medium. And I think especially with film, where you already, it's such, um, obviously it's a very image-based medium outside, like rather than like, you know, like being adapted from a play or mm -hmm. a book or a what have you. Um, there's already like a visual, there's a visual vocabulary to play with. And so that's kind of what can sometimes, in my opinion, get in the way of a screen to stage uh, adaptation. Mm -hmm. You already, it, we, again, we talked about it uh, in Shrek. You are so tied to a visual uh, iconography. Um, and the question is always like, how, how much are you going to sort of be precious with that visual iconography? Right. Um, and how well I would will say, it translate, right? I mean, how well exactly. will that specifically with will that specific look look on stage um yes. which i um, I, I imagine for shrek could have was probably pretty jarring uh well get to shrek yeah um, <laughs> if either way um legally blonde uh was a film released in 2001 um it's and it, and then uh 6 years later was adapted into a musical and it's such I, I want to make the arguments and sort of like pinning the thesis uh, at the top of the record, um, at the top of this episode, that I think Legally Blonde the musical, unlike some other shows that we're going to talk on here, I think it can exist on its own without the brand loyalty of the film. I do think this. And I'm I'm excited to debate this because I can see Brian and Nina maybe don't agree or are like surprised by this. I think... It is un unlike, and again, cause just because it's the most recent example I can think of, like, unlike Shrek, which I feel is so tied to its brand and so tied to the preceding film, I think Legally Blonde, the musical, not, say not saying that it is a successful adaptation, but I think it's an adaptation. That's what I was, that's why I was, that's why I was That was also no, 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 the no. source of my facial expression. Yeah. No, um. yeah, I don't think that someone's enjoyment of Legally Blonde, the musical is tied to their enjoyment of Legally Blonde the film. I actually completely agree with you because in thinking about these two mediums, I I think when you said that it does not, it can stand on its own, I actually completely agree because I think that weirdly the two share very little DNA. Um, sure. Apart from everything, and I'm you know we'll we'll really delve into this, but everything from the performances to the tone. I think just radically shifted the when you morals. put it, the moral, literally yes. the moral. I'm serious. Yeah. I, I was appalled kind of, we could talk about it. Yeah, no, I, no that, t I completely yeah. agree. I actually don't even really consider them the same thing other than that they share a name. Um, and, and a basic plot line and a basic plot line. And like the, some of the characters and character names, which there's some serious glaring omissions in the musical that I have feelings about that we will definitely, yeah, I will bring up. Yeah. Two dogs yeah. though. Two dogs. Two dogs. Yeah, they still, still got two, two dogs. dogs. Um, they kept both dogs. Yes. <laughs> so let's rewind. Uh, take uh, twenty years ago. Uh, oh God. Two thousand one. I know. Where were you twenty years ago? I was ten. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do that. Out. Oof. Yeah. Um. Either way, Legally Blonde uh, is a film. It is based on. It's based on a book by Amanda mm -hmm. Brown. Um, yes. which was initially self-published. It actually, mm -hmm. at least according to Wikipedia, uh, it wasn't actually published officially until 2003. 
Um, it was just like, uh, I guess it was like a self-published manuscript or what have you that just was circulating around yeah. where And it was kind of a memoir because I believe Amanda Brown had, a, had this experience at Stanford yes. Law where she felt very kind of like this outcast because she was a really girly girl who liked pink and her classmates didn't take her seriously and kind of laughed her out of the room. And, and so she wrote this memoir and I, yes, you're correct. She self-published it and it kind of just existed in the ether, right. For, for some time. Yeah. But yeah. and like folks found it, uh, like mm-hmm. Mark Platt producer, big mm-hmm. old producer, um, found this, found the book and a lot of just like film execs found it. And I mean, it is, it is at its heart, a pretty, like compelling narrative you're just yeah. like oh it's, and it's like and it's drawing it's drawing on like this like sort of valley girl stereotype it, i mean it's, it's literally a fish out of water story which i feel like like mainstream mm-hmm. cinema like loves so much they're like what if we take a thing and put it in a place where it shouldn't be it's like <laughs> usually that's like a right that's usually like sort of like a, a successful trope or a successful like type of story and i guess that and it's sure i get and that's and that's something that's i think also going to come up as we talk about both both pieces the film and the show um is sort of how much how much are we how much are we laughing at elwoods or how much are we laughing with elwoods right that's like mm, I feel, and yeah like yeah there's this there's i mean pop culture in general and hollywood in general and i would say like the western world in general looks down on feminist art mm-hmm. and it's like art about women art written by women. Correct. Um, and, and I would say especially young women. Yes. Right? And like, especially they, women they, who, they, women who, you know, present like a very, very, very feminine gender identity and kind of closely align themselves with like pink and, and things that are traditionally girly. I'm using air quotes for everyone who can't see me. You know, I think it's, it's uh something that's really looked down upon. So this is a really interesting example of it because you're taking the dumb blonde trope, you're taking the girly girl trope and you're really subverting it, at least in the film. But, you know, we'll we'll circle back to that one. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's sort of just like what I was thinking about of like, when is, when is Elle the butt of the joke or when is she like commanding the joke? And mm-hmm. I would say, I would argue that there are two different answers whether you're talking about the film or the musical. I would um, agree, yes. Yes. Um, so the screenplay is credited to uh, Karen McCullough Lutz and Kirsten Smith. And the director, of, of course, uh, in his feature film debut, which is kind of wild, uh, Robert Lu- Lukatik, um, whose only previous uh, credit, um, I, Nina, I'm, I can tell you, you looked up this. I did. Um, I did so, look this up today. <laughs> so Robert's pre- uh, like, Robert previously made a short film um, with the title... Uh, and I want to make sure I'm pronouncing this correctly. Uh, Tiziana Buberini. I believe that's <laughs> correct. Yeah, I. I'm, that sounds right to me because I'm also looking at it right now. Yeah, and do you have like this? It's it's like about like a woman with like a mustache or something, and like she wants to like get it shaped. It's like it's a very stupid premise. Um, it's a Buberini. <laughs> Oh my God, uh, it is about it, an Italian checkout girl at a supermarket who is ridiculed over her mustache. And then yes. when she has her mustache removed, she makes friends. That is what the film is. <laughs> yes, it was screened. Sort of an ugly duckling. It, yes, an ugly duckling. Um, it was it was screened at, uh, it was entered at the Telluride Film Festival and Sundance. 
and it was screened at film festivals all over the world, and it got acclaim. The late 90s, folks. Uh, a film called uh, Tiziana Buberini. Buberini. <laughs> I don't want to ah, do... your mustache is gone. Yeah. I can finally see your beautiful breasts. <laughs> That's the end of the film. <laughs> Just like... And I again, like, haven't seen this film. I cannot speak to it. Uh, as a piece of, as a, a, as from a craft <laughs> perspective. Um, and again, like, it's like, I can't tell if it's tongue in cheek. I'd like to think it's tongue in cheek, cheek with the fucking name Tiziana Buberini. Buberini. It's a me, a Tiziana Buberini. Yeah, I hope that's the whole movie. But yeah, yeah, it has to be. Uh, it's, it's, it's like Super Mario Brothers, but uh, with a woman named Tiziana Buberini. Uh, but the, so, and then, so he makes Legally Blonde, and the rest of, Robert Lukatek's filmography is wild. It is it is filled with both some of the worst films ever made and some of the most non-existent films ever made. You're so. correct. I just clicked on his page and wow, there's yeah, a so lot of Yeah, so I'm going in in chronological order. Win a date with Tad Hamilton. Classic. Classic. You know what? I Monster okay. I don't hate whatever. That movie has its moments. Go on. Okay, great. Now, yeah, no, please, if you've seen these films, yeah, please weigh in. Mm -hmm. uh, Monster in Law, of course. I have seen that film. It is bad. Yeah. Jane Fonda? Yeah, mm -hmm. Jane Fonda. J and Jane Jennifer Fonda Lopez. And Jayla, right? And yes, Michael Vartan. Yeah, not good. Yeah, Michael Vartan from Alias is she, Fame. Is she better in uh, Monster in Law or, or Out of Sight? Can we, <laughs> what do we, what do we think? Uh, the answer no? is right. Made in Manhattan, so please move along. <laughs> Well, the answer's hustlers, but whatever. Um, <laughs> no, the answer's monster in law. Actually, hustlers. <laughs> um, twenty-one, of course, the famous uh, uh, Vegas, Vegas, or just a casino film where they uh, whitewash the mm -hmm. entire uh, Asian American cast that the story is based on. Does is Kevin Spacey in that movie? Yes, he Ooh. is. Just to add to the problems, yeah, um, I, he is, isn't yes. he? Yeah. Um, he made, uh, then of course, after that, he made The Ugly Truth. Oh, wow. Oh, boy, that actually, is a he made Actually, movie. he made two I just Catherine that. Heigl bombs in a, yeah, uh -huh. two Catherine Heigl bombs in a row, The Ugly Truth Ooh. and Killers. And I just did some research on this for work, and that is right around the time that she was causing a big stink on Grey's Anatomy and, like, getting fired from the show. So this is not, you know, there was a time where Catherine Heigl was, like, a valuable rom-com lead. And this was yes. this ain't it, Chief. Like this, was, he he really like looked at her in her prime and went, "I'll go, I'll circle back two years later when everyone hates her and Shonda Rhimes has completely tanked her reputation." Mm -hmm. Yep. So. Um, but yeah, the the ugly truth, uh, of course, which stars her and uh, Gerard Butler. I remember I went to see that with friends in high school just because that's what you did in the mid two thousands. You just saw any movie, like mm -hmm. you were just like, "I'll go see a movie." Um, <laughs> And I, I, that was one of the first movies that I just remember being like, this is garbage. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I was at a point where I wasn't just like, oh, you know, a movie is good because it's a movie. Uh, I was just like, this is a, a bad thing. It is. Every character is despicable. It, like, it's a movie horrible, filled horrible with human sociopaths. I couldn't agree more. And any movie with an extended sequence where a woman is wearing vibrating underwear and a man has the oh, remote. Sure. Oh my yes. God, I forgot about that. That happens the, in that the, movie. The, the, the commercial is, is the trailer yeah. is blaring in my brain now. It just takes up half of Ben's frontal lobe, just the original trailer for the it's ugly really truth. Fine. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the, the, his final two most uh, credited films are, are again two films that I that 
like I've never heard of Paranoia, which is a film with Liam Hemsworth and Harrison Ford. It was filmed in Philadelphia. That's the only reason Great. I know it exists. Good, good, good for and you. And Paris. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just um, like me, and I am Paranoia. <laughs> my god uh, well that's for another time uh and then uh the 2019 film the wedding year which just sounds like anything you could like find scrolling through netflix it's just like that's a mad lib title yes that sounds like on how i met your mother when the fake movie was called the wedding bride sure yes and it like it's just, just like, made yeah, the whole thing like... worse yeah it's a, it's the plot apparently is about a couple whose uh, relationship is put to the test uh, when they like go to like set a, a bunch of weddings in a year and it's like, well, uh, are you gonna get married? We're at all these weddings. Uh, so yeah, that is Robert Lukatic's career starts off strong. I'll give mm-hmm. him that. I mean, got a got a real got a real strong strong entry point. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, Legally Blonde, very good movie. Just like like planting that flag right at right at the top. Yes. I really liked this movie. I think it's it. I think it holds up for the most part. It is somehow less offensive than the musical. So much less offensive. Six years later, uh, on, which again almost, we'll get into. Yeah, on almost every level. Had both um, of had Ben and Brand had you both seen this movie before this pot uh, before you prepared for this podcast because. I have. I'm gonna say it's in the eight to nine hundreds of viewings, and hell yes, um, I could likely recite it. it from memory. Yeah, I definitely seen it before. I couldn't tell you the the last time I'd seen it. Okay, and what about Same. you, Brandon? I think I I don't think I ever actually maybe had sat down and watched from credits to credits. Sure, sure. But it was on like USA. Yes, or it was TNT constantly or all on like yep. all the time when mm-hmm. I was in college, mm-hmm. and would just you know if it was on, it was one of those absolutely watching in the background for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is a, like, I saw this in theaters uh, with my mom, and my mom is a lawyer. Right. And so she went in with basically rock-bottom expectations, and it is now one of her all-time favorite movies. She just, I mean, she appreciated the fact that it tries at all to, you know, deal with the legal profession, and especially kind of the law school experience, but she also just found it to be completely charming, um, and I was texting her today while she rewatched it for the thousandth time. Um, and so oh, I have a very fond memory of seeing it for the first time. And it has just been like, um, I'll, I'll preface this by saying this is my bad day movie. I watch Legally Blonde when I feel like I need kind of a, a confidence boost or a mood boost because it's a movie that makes me feel like uh, anyone can achieve anything as long as they are confident and sure of themselves. Because I think and that's, I think what's the... yeah. No, um, go on. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, uh, go on. No, I just think, I think it's such a valuable lesson that, uh, that I probably didn't under, I'm sure I didn't understand when I saw it, but that I understand now that, you know, Elle doesn't have to fundamentally change who she is to succeed. She just has to access her own intelligence that has literally been there the entire time. Um, she doesn't have to stop wearing pink. She doesn't have to change her hair. She doesn't have to be a different person. She just has to access the part of her that already exists that makes her a fully rounded person and kind of leads her away from this obsession with Warner and all that stuff. But no, I just think it's like a really good message and, and it's a movie that I watch to make myself feel like I'm capable of, of you know, bigger and better things because I think that's what it's about. Yeah, that, that was pretty much what I was just going to say. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I love, I, I do love that. Yeah, like, she yeah, she doesn't change who she is. She's just yeah. like, I am, like, I don't need to be a different person. I just like, yeah, have to redirect who I am towards the thing that I want to get. Exactly, right? and in the rewatch that I did just before, you know, we started this recording, I was struck by just like the fact that she literally never doubts herself 
or almost never doubts herself. I mean, she says, I don't need backups. I'm going to Harvard. Like that's, it could be an insane person thing, right? To be like, I'm just going to go to Harvard law. Like it's no big deal, but that is such a cool and inspirational example of, of supreme confidence that you're like, well, I know I can do it. I believe in myself that much. And she believes in herself and the world in this like really sweet way that I find yeah. like really endearing right off the bat from the moment the movie opens. She's That's a really my favorite thing yeah. about the movie too. I like and and I mean obviously like what we'll talk about what my biggest problem is with the musical, but yeah. I think it's really great that she's never she isn't ever a dumb blonde. No. Like some of her friends are dopey and bimboy, but like she's never dumb in the Mm-mm. entire movie, and she's never like other than like you know when she's getting broken up with and at like her lowest point, she's like usually in complete control of the yeah. room, except for like I don't know three moments in the movie that point. Maybe like the first time she goes to class and she doesn't have the reading done, mm-hmm. and then like the Victor Garber moment at the sure. later. But even like when she shows up to the party in the wrong in a, in a costume and nobody oh. else is, she like she only has like thirty seconds mm-hmm. of despair or yeah. anything. She coming owns close it. To that. She owns. That she moment. does. That's what Absolutely. I was going to say. And she also uses the fact that she is just like a genuinely good and nice person um to full effect throughout the entire movie in that like she's really not mean to anybody except kind of she calls Vivian out for tricking her about the party but even after that when they both have the internship she says like you look really nice today Vivian and it's sincere and it's nice she's a genuinely nice person who enjoys lifting other people up and who enjoys just like making friends and and being outgoing and it's just like it's very refreshing you know this was pre kind of the age of the anti-hero and I love a flawed character as much as anybody else but Elwood's is just a nice person and it's nice to watch a nice, good yeah. person succeed and, and be, you know, be accepted for who she actually is, which is a, a good person. I think sort of like my favorite moment or, and for me, like a defining moment of Elle Woods as a character and also Reese, Reese Witherspoon as an mm-hmm. actor, we'll get into her in just a second, um, is it's in the video essay. Um, oh, my favorite thing ever line. committed it's to film. Great. Yeah. yeah. We'll, spe- <laughs> we'll spend an hour talking about the video essay. It's very good. Um, yeah. But it's, it's just, it is, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's where she's like, she's walking down the street and she's like, I use legal jargon in, uh, in everyday life. And they're like, the guy like whistles and then she turns around and is like, I obj- I object, and then she turns around and just gives that like little cock of her head to the yeah. camera. I'm just like, I'm just like, that's Elle Woods. She is a confident motherfucker who like yeah. knows what she wants, is optimistic, and just like red and like, but also will call people out for fucking like catcalling her. Not <laughs> like, a pushover. Exactly. No. Yeah. no, no, she's really and that moment where she st- uh, sticks up for David Kidney is another kind of one of those moments where he's like that her, her law school kidney I, david kidney the unsung right. unsung hero of this film the one who was uh who is not in, in Somalia. the musical i one of the greatest omissions from the musical to be honest with you but he's trying to should have a this, song this girl. should have his own he should have a song he should honestly be the star of the entire thing also, and Elle should be like I will a say side Dave, character i uh, who is I need to look up that the actor David Kidney. Um, <laughs> um, he's, but he's got huge. He's got huge Will Ferrell energy. He does to him. He, he's got like a, a weird manic quality to him that makes me laugh Will every time Sasso I see him. Energy to me. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Um, but that moment that she that sticks forehead. up for him, that she sees him being like completely rejected by this girl, and she walks over and is like, "How could you not call me back after you gave me the greatest night of pleasure I've ever known?" And then just took it away and like, tr- you know, really like 
doesn't have to do that. She's under no obligation to help out this guy. She's just like, these girls oh. are being really mean to him. And it's sweet. And I love it. Go sorry, on, Sorry, I that it works. Yeah, so, it sorry, works. I just made a revel. I, I, made, I made a revelation. So, uh, yeah, David Kidney, the actor's name is Oz Perkins. Okay. Um, he is now a director. He's a horror film director. Um, he has made uh, three feature films, uh, The Black Coat's Daughter, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, and the recent Gretel and Hansel, that was one of the final pre-COVID films uh, that was released. In, it was a, like a horror film based on Hansel and Gretel that I heard was pretty okay. So now <laughs> dorky David Kidney is a horror movie director, which I kind wow. of love. I kind of love that. I mean, he was deworming orphans in Somalia for 18 months. So I think he may have seen sure. some things <laughs> while doing that. I Again, I have 99.9% .9 of this movie directly committed to memory. It takes up so much real estate in my brain. So I'm going to end up quoting it a lot. I apologize. No, you're so good. Reese it's really unpleasant to watch Legally Blonde with me because I just say the whole movie. Anyway, Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. Um, I, and this was, I, I've said this, I think I texted this and I, 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 this, I made this publicly known that I think Reese Witherspoon at the very least should have gotten an Oscar nomination for this. Role. I couldn't agree more. I could not. And agree I'm more. not being hyperbolic. I think she's really good in this film. She's she doing a globe a nom? She got a globe nom. She okay. absolutely okay, got a globe nom. She lost, of course, um, to, uh, Nicole Kidman in another film that we will be covering Moulin Rouge. Oh, okay. Well, I'm yeah. sorry. Sorry, Reese. There's no chance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. And, and Mulan yeah. and and Nicole Kidman did get the Oscar nom. Um, and I would I guess Wait, she lost to uh, her future Big Little Lies best friend. Also. Sure. Wow. <laughs> she did. Great yeah. show. Oh, A great gosh, show. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I guess the the I think the slot that would have gone that or could have gone to Reese with a spoon went to Renee Zellweger for Bridget Jones's Diary. She got a nomination for that. I did not know. I just watched Bridget Jones uh, a couple days ago. For the, Again, also the thousandth time. Um, she's yeah. good in that, but I think Reese Witherspoon is doing more. Um, yes. And, and I was saying, uh, Reese Witherspoon, yeah. first of all, just very good actor. Just a really controversial yeah. hot take. Um, very good actor. Um, <laughs> yeah, no one I, thinks I, that. <laughs> I think I mean we watched uh, we watched Election a few mm. months ago, and she's I love kind that movie. of brilliant. And I I think I mean that's for me that's just like a few notches above this one. I think she's kind of again that's another one. Where I'm just like she should have gotten every single award. She's kind of yeah. a genius and brilliant in that film. And it's also election amazing. Is basically, a predictor of right now. Uh, What's yeah. that culture? I yes, said election no, uh, is a predictor of our current moment. Yes, no, election is like terrifyingly prescient um yeah. and she also like the tracy flick character that was then such a template for so many other characters i mean you don't have i mean i don't i wish we didn't have rachel berry from glee but you don't have her without tracy flick you also kind of don't have leslie nope <laughs> without tracy flick like you, there's a whole category of female characters that are for better or worse in existence but all of them find their genesis in Tracy Flick. And so it's like, yes. and it's not, yeah. and it's not just the character. I mean, it's Reese's performance. Right? Exactly. Like no, it, so... it's, oh. I've read the book of election as well. And it's a great book, but it doesn't, it, she really like, she is the reason for that movie to exist as alongside Matthew Broderick's very swollen eye from the wasp nest that he <laughs> attacks. <laughs> and that's, and that's maybe the best Matthew Broderick performance as well. 
Wow. That is wow. I think, how is that a hot take? What else, what else? Like, I guess Ferris Bueller. And the yeah, producers? I guess Ferris I Bueller, know. Benjamin. <laughs> Just like Godzilla. One of, <laughs> yes, of course, Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. Fucking great in that film. Are, are you oh, eventually going to deal with, oh no, I guess producers is the opposite. It's It's... No, no. The musical is based on a film. It's oh, based. That's it's, right. That's right. It's it Mel Brooks's like first ever yeah, movie was the producers. Right. We will that will be on the and then the film yeah. will be on the page. The the film of the musical will be on the Patreon. Oof, um, yeah, that's a whole, a whole of potatoes there. Roads yeah. to go down. <laughs> um, but Reese Witherspoon also just like has a very fascinating filmography, especially post Legally Blondes, because I feel like that. I mean, mm. between Election and Legally Blondes, I feel like those kind of like solidified who she was as an actor in the early 2000s. Um, yes. She like jumps into like Sweet Home Alabama. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she was in a, a film version of The Importance of Being Earnest. I like that kind version. Of wild. It's her and Colin Firth and Rupert Everett and Judy Dench. Um, Great. It's, it's a, it's actually a pretty solid adaptation. I've actually seen it like a bunch of times and I recommend it. So check it out she plays cecily it's actually she's quite good okay yeah um actually they were filming they were she was in england filming it when they did the final shot of legally blonde the graduation scene because they did a different ending i did hear about this yeah they did a different ending where she like makes out with emmett it's a whole thing and then it didn't do well with test audiences and people were like but this isn't a romantic comedy really like it's not really about her and emmett which yeah save that for the musical yeah save that for the stage um and so they actually had to go do a pickup shots on the set of importance of being earnest and both she and luke wilson are in wigs because i think he was shooting royal tenenbaums which is why he looks orange and she has a wig on because she didn't have her exact shade of elwood's hair at the time so yeah that was a pickup shot during the filming of importance of being earnest a fact that i know Uh, other (laughs) Of course you do. Uh, <laughs> other notable uh, Reese performances, obviously Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, hmm. and Blonde. Not very good. Um, which, yeah. Not very good. Uh, Walk the Line, which she wins her which she wins her Oscar mm-hmm. for. Um, and I'm just looking uh, for Christmases, of course. Sure. Um, she's <laughs> in the, the, very, the very famous uh, James L. Brooks bomb, How Do You Know? She is the lead in that. How do you know? I, great question. Uh, uh, we're a podcast that loves questions. <laughs> Big question. How do you know? How do you um, know? <laughs> um, she was, and I guess she produced Gone Girl because she, she bought, right? I think she like mm-hmm. bought the rights. She wanted to play. She was planning to. Yeah, she wanted to play Amy. Oh. And then I think she actually did step down because she realized she wasn't really. And I'm glad that she did because Rosamund Pike is far too good in that movie to not play Amy Dunn. She's perfect. Um, She's very good. Yeah. The movie rocks. Great movie. Yeah. Gone Great Girl. movie. Gone Girl. Yeah. Gone Girl, great movie. Uh, she was in. She's in Wild, which she's actually, which she's very good in Wild. I think she Wild produced Wild. I think good. Wild was one yeah. of the first outings for her production company, um, which she's has very since good like been very very big. Yeah. Um, she's also in Inherent Vice, which I haven't seen in a second, um, and I need to rewatch because everyone people because people are a little cool on it when it first came out, and I've heard it's better on the rewatch. Um, I saw it in 70 mil on mushrooms and it was excellent. <laughs> so there's that. I mean, that's probably which, a very good way to inherent vice. Which oh, inherent vice. Oh, I have not seen that. Um, actually, legally blonde would probably be good to watch on mushrooms. Maybe. I actually I probably know. would. 
Um, and then, of course, uh, she was in uh, Home Again, the very odd Hallie mm. Myers Shire um, yeah. fake Nancy Myers film. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a weird one. It's a really good movie to watch on a plane where you're just like, and you can't course, go anywhere. Yes, yeah. And you're like, well, I'm film, here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting here anyway. Then, I might as yeah. well watch it. Yeah. And I would say her, uh, her most, her most uh, actually, her current most recent role, of course, is a giant piece of kale in A Wrinkle in Time. I, that's not her most recent role, like, by a long <laughs> shot, but you just really wanted to make that joke. Um, no, her most recent film role. She's oh, done film, TV. film. I'm, yeah. I'm just looking through film, yes. Got it. Okay, because I was going to be like, she's on the, you know, that crock of shit, The Morning Show, which I can't stand. <sighs> Just don't make Steve Carell the rapist unless you want people rooting for the rapist, you guys. It's like, suck, not going to work. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't make like America's most likable man the Matt Lauer character. It does not I don't, work. <laughs> I don't want to go down a Steve Carell route. That's a depressing <laughs> route. Um, but yes, but yeah, but no, Reese Witherspoon is, have you, have either of you seen A Wrinkle in Time? Yeah. No. Also watch that on a plane, actually. That's, that's a I, I feel like planes. that's a terrible plane film. It was not it's a good so, plane movie. It was really disorienting. It's got like, yeah, it's got like big old like colorful imagery. That's terrible yeah. to sort of condense to a plane. Yeah, I did. It wasn't. It was not the optimal viewing experience. But I watched the Battle of Winterfell on my phone, um, for a plane. <laughs> so I am not really good at good viewing experiences. But yes, I did that see it. It's a. It's sure. an interesting, an interesting one because you know I think we all who doesn't love Ava DuVernay and like Stormita is very good, but it's a, it's an odd bird of a film. A, a for effort is all I'll say. Um, yeah. It's, it's, but it, it's a strange one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Reese Witherspoon plays Mrs. What's it, who does at some one mm-hmm. point turn into a giant flying piece of kale. Very strange mm-hmm. film. Um, really weird. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon's very good. Um, let's just quickly go through the plots just so we can cover, cover the bases for mm-hmm. both, uh, both things. Um, Elwood's uh, sorority member of Delta New. She is the president of Delta New, Ben. Well, I'm so sorry to dis- <laughs> She to, is not a member. Smirch this character, this fake human being's uh, status at her sorority. Um, she, Thank you for apologizing. Uh, she, Appreciate that. <laughs> she goes to a, a fancy restaurant with her a boyfriend, Warner. She thinks uh, that she's going to be proposed to, and he breaks up with her. He's, he's going to Harvard. He's going to Harvard he, Law School. And he says and he has he needs, to marry needs... a Jackie, not a Marilyn. A horrible mm-hmm. line. Um, I also just quickly want to say that that breakup scene is just magnificent. The the crying she mm-hmm. does. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> That's very good. Does he say like bad salad? When like yeah. someone's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great and she, line. Very and good And she line. screams. So when you said you would always love me, were you just dicking around? And everyone in the restaurant turns to stare at them. It's. A work of art, yeah. So either good. of you ever had like a public breakup or anything like that? Mm, no, I've had public I've... fights, but not a breakup. Yes, I've um, had public fights. I've, I've, the, I've been, yeah, I've all of the breakups I've had have uh, been in the privacy of someone's home. Uh, thank yes. goodness. Um, yeah, I certainly have never had anything as quite as theatrical as that. Um, have you, Brian? Oh God, no! I've worked in <laughs> bars for so long, though, so I've seen yeah. similar things, but nothing like that's like a Reddit-worthy breakup. Yeah, like yes, freak out, absolutely. You know? That like, would be if that, that happened bad. in real life in in twenty, well, I guess nineteen, back when restaurants existed. You know, it would be on like 
good morning America the next morning. Like viral breakup yes. caught at restaurant in Malibu. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, but then Elwood sees in the magazine, uh, again, great. Again, you can't, they're not going to be able to replicate every scene, uh, and put it on stage, but there is a very funny scene of her, like at the, like at the salon and she's next mm -hmm. to this older woman. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like looking in the magazine and she's like, that's who I need to be to impress Warner. And the woman's like practically deformed. And I'm just like, great. Great. Like that give that woman a fucking Oscar. Like hey, uh, she also goes, she goes, Do you know who that is? And the woman goes, No. And then she goes, That's Warner's older brother. And she goes, Who? Because this is a complete stranger she's interacting with. But she's just like, you know who Warner is. And it's just a very it's the whole thing is funny. Yeah. It's very fun. But yeah, so she's like, I gotta go to Harvard to impress him. And yeah, she's just like, Oh, okay, what do I need to get to Harvard? At least a 175 on the LSAT. Mm -hmm. uh, references, personal essay. Great. And she's like, great. I'm going to do that. My mm -hmm. own version of that, but I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, she puts in the work. She gets a 179, I Which believe. is a perfect, or it's, a, it's you maybe got one question wrong. That is an extraordinary LSAT score, which is marked out Again, of 180. That is incredible. Yeah, she's a smart yeah. person. Yeah. And they also, they do a good job of showing just how much work she puts into it. I mean, it's not like she just like aces the LSAT because magic, like, there's so many lead-ups of her like staying into study and working really hard and being super committed to this dream, which yes. I also love. She doesn't go to a party. Yeah. Good for her. No. Skips the party. <laughs> she skips the party, but she, I mean, we see her do like four practice tests. Those are like three hour endeavors. I, you know, we all had our, maybe I'll go to law school phase. I had mine and uh, <laughs> I used to take practice tests and they are time consuming and awful and very draining. So she does a lot of them. She puts a lot of work. She makes a very fun video mm -hmm. essay. Yes. Um, it's directed by a Coppola. <laughs> I, wait, what? She says later to Paulette, I even hired a Coppola to direct my admissions video. Oh, so I that's just that like line. a little... That's very funny. A little nugget. That's very funny. Where she's talking about all the work she put into to get into Harvard. I even hired a Coppola to direct my admissions essay. Yeah. That's very... But it's a great essay. <laughs> gotta say. Yeah. Very convincing compelled me yeah <laughs> if harvard. you if you were on the harvard harvard admission board yeah you would admit her i'd be like let her in obvious genius <laughs> love the sparkly bikinis i think it's pretty funny they call her a diversity admission <laughs> yes that's pretty good well it's, it's yeah so, and I'll, I'll i'll start making the comparisons now um so in the film it they're sort of just like i would say it's not that the, in the musical, they're a bunch of horny men, and that's why they let her in. They're like a bunch yeah. of like gross. It, I that's what I took is that it's like a bunch I, of like I weird agree, yeah. horny men who are like, well, we mm. want this uh, very conventionally attractive uh, white woman on our campus, mm -hmm. um, and that mm -hmm. is what I took. And then in the musical, it's just like, you know, I, it's almost like they're justifying letting her. In. They're like, well, she does like have the the she did like get 179 and she has a 4.0 even if it is in fashion merchandising it's almost like them justifying to themselves well, so two things about that though like one her having fashion merchandising as a major is not really like that off-putting for law school because in terms of sure. majors like they you don't have to there's no d direct thing i mean everyone who applies is like poli-sci, English, or history. So it actually probably is like for an admissions committee, you probably want to see somebody who studied something very, very, very different because it does help, especially in a 
a setting where, you know, law school is all about sharing thoughts and ideas and challenging kind of what you know. So having a, yes. a distinct voice who didn't study exactly what everyone else studied probably is a good thing. Um, but I mean, I do think that they're pretty horny for her in the movie, but I think they're just subtler about it and it's funnier. Like when he's like, sure, designed, a, designed a line of faux fur panties for her sorority's charity project. And the guy goes, well, she's a friend of the animals as well as a philanthropist. Like that's the funniest <laughs> like justification. And so I think they're still pretty horny for her because objectively, like, yeah, she's extremely hot and she's this like bubbly blonde girl from California. But I think they're just less totally weird about it because the musical really takes that premise and takes it to a very uncomfortable point. It's, and again, I'll, I'll say this like, a, and I'll, yeah, I'll just preempt this now. Like, I understand, like, why a, a stage, especially mm -hmm. a Broadway adaptation of a movie is going to make things broader. Yes. Like that, like that's sure. Like it, you're on a stage, you got to fucking telegraph shits to the last row mm -hmm. of the palace theater mm -hmm. where you're, where you're doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, like I get that, but like I don't know. You can get some fucking subtlety in there, right? Yeah, I, I think know. I think there was a different approach they could have taken, and I think this is the second time I've said this in this podcast. But that ain't it, Chief. Like that was not it. It's Under not. no circumstances. Um, yeah. Either way, L gets into Harvard. Fucking great. I've got. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wearing my Harvard. I'm wearing a Harvard nice. T-shirt, and I'm drinking a Harvard mug, and I'm wearing pink. In honor of our fallen hero, Elle Woods. Don't know why she's fallen, but... <laughs> I was know. like, what happened to her? I think she's okay. Oh, I don't know. 2020 was rough on all of us. Um, <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. Um, then we get we get introduced to these characters. Of course, uh, Dorky David Kidney. Mm. Um, Enid Wexler. Enid Wexler. My favorite. Who I think is like the only, the only like person from that group who is translated to the stage adaptation. Um, yeah, again, I, think they, I think so, yeah. Um, her, yeah, of I course, of course, her queerness becomes the butt of the joke exactly. in the musical. Because why wouldn't it? And obviously, I don't, I don't think that it. I, I mean, I, I didn't find it to be treated like a joke in the film. I think it was just like pretty straightforward. Absolutely not. Yeah, I thought it was just like she's queer. She makes no apologies. That's kind of just the the deal, right? Like yes, which for two thousand one was nice and refreshing. I I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, like it's better than gay or European. Oh. We'll get to we'll get to gay or European. Um, so uh, we get with then El goes to El goes to classes, and then yeah, so we get she has two professor characters that she's mainly interacting with, who are combined by into two one character. Phenomenal for, actors, Hol Holland Taylor, great. Yeah. She is so lovely in the film. She should be in everything. I love Holland Taylor. She's a gem. Yes, and she's she, really good she in played, this movie. Yeah. yeah. And she she plays the professor that kicks Elle out of her classroom. But she's right to do so. I mean, if we want to get really, like, fussy. I mean, you sure. do have homework before your first law school class. She did. She was not prepared. And, yeah, that was super harsh, but it also set a very clear precedent for everybody that was, do the reading, don't fuck this up, show up prepared. Yeah, she, she learns from it. She yeah. learns from that mistake. Yeah, yeah. And, and Holland Taylor's, uh, I believe her name was Stromwell. Um, they don't say it yes. very much in the movie. I had to look it up. But uh, she ends up becoming like one of her closest allies, clearly through the remainder of law school. You know, so it's yeah, she's it's, an important figure. And it, it's it is kind of interesting, and we'll get we'll get into sort of how these characters shift and change. Uh, she becomes like the she is the initial uh, instigator, like against Elle, 
and then becomes like mm-hmm. her greatest champion near the end of the film. And yeah. The, but those those sort of those roles are given to different characters, and it's very yeah. interesting, sort of who they are given to and why they are given to them, and how it sort of shifts yeah. the trajectory of certain characters. Mm-hmm. But then we do have Selma Blair comes in as Vivian. Yes. Um, as mm-hmm. Warner's fiance, very quick fiance. Yeah, she's got that six carry Harry Harry Winston on her bony, unpolished finger, and she loves showing it off. Wrong hand. Um, <laughs> yeah. Either way, so yeah, so now uh, Elle is distressed. Oh, and she meets uh, Emmett. Yes. Uh, played by Luke Wilson, and he's just a, he's a very nice guy, and that's yeah. that's really it. Thin lipped man. <laughs> yeah, I actually was gonna say though, like this may have been like the peak of Luke Wilson sheer handsomeness. He look. He's got his. He's very chiseled facially in this movie. Like I remember looking at him and being like, "Those cheekbones, man. This is right, this, this is maybe good, the, but he's got that mushroom haircut. Yeah, he does yes. a really bad haircut, but that it's almost more endearing that L would come to love somebody with such bad hair. For sure. And like this is around. We said we were talking right. This is around Royal Tenenbaum's time, right? It's right before. So like, yeah, when yes. when he films the pickup shot at graduation, he's super tan because he was working on Tenenbaums. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he's great in that as well. He's very great good actor. in Royal Really good actor. Yeah. Good actor. Good actor. Um, this is a good so cast, yeah. objectively. Yeah. And like Jennifer yes. Coolidge, Victor Garber playing at these supporting roles. Um, like oh, for, oh, so yeah. So to sort of like deal with her sadness over finding out that one is engaged, she goes to a salon. Yeah. She meets. Uh, the wonderful. Wow, I am terrible. What, what Jennifer is, Coolidge? Paulette. Jennifer Paulette. Coolidge. Paulette. 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 I, I know it's. I know it's Jennifer Coolidge. Yes, and this is also around Best in Showtime, right? Yeah. 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 Like early two thousands was Best in Show, which is mm-hmm. again like just a freaking great movie, and she a is perfect so film. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. It's I'm talking about a stacked cast. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Literal com- comedy royalty happening right there. Um, no, but Paulette um, but is... Yeah, so... Yeah, Paulette's a great character, lo- too. Lo- it, lovely it, character. And I think what it, it does a really good job of showing just how, like, got kind and giving Elle is that she sees this woman who has obviously been through, like, some pretty crappy shit recently in her life. You know, her husband leaves her for someone else. She lost her dog to this guy. He's clearly, like, an absolute sack of garbage. And not only does Elle befriend this, like, down-out woman, she goes to bat for her and intimidates oh, yeah. the ex. Like, I mean, it just kind of goes, it, it's, such, it's such a great example of, like, the lengths that Elle will go to to help people out because she's just like, this person needs help and I can figure something out, which is just, like, a nice thing to yeah. see. She also, uh, I think before, before that scene is when she mm-hmm. overhears about a party that mm-hmm. uh, Vivian's having. And Vivian's like, oh, well, it's a, it's a, it's a costume party. She should, she should come in a little costume. And so she comes dressed as, dressed as a rabbit. And then she's like, oh, no, it's not a costume party. What? Um, Ben, I want to clarify. She's not in, like, a Donnie Darko rabbit costume. She's dressed as a no, playboy. I... <laughs> she's dressed as a playboy bunny, very definitively. And she looks... Is a bunny, is a bunny not a rabbit? Am I wrong? I just needed you to be specific because it's, like, it was a it was a very risque bunny. It was not, like... Sure. It's yeah. a risque bunny. It's. I feel like it's more explicitly a playboy bunny, at least in the costume design of yeah. the musical. It, it, so that's why I didn't want to say yeah. playboy bunny. No, iconic but it, it, look though yes, yes. It, it, it's very like jessica rabbit very very playboy very just like yeah 
Or is it not? I, I'm going to push back on that. Jessica Rabbit is a is a full not on a rabbit. woman. <laughs> As is Elle Woods. Elle Woods. <laughs> sure. Heads up, not a rabbit. <laughs> is a human woman. That we so. know of. Um, either way, very emba- <laughs> very embarrassed. Uh, yeah. Gets driven back to campus by great by, insult. By but it's important because it's different in the musical. Oh, the she one says, that she uh, says she in the, yeah. Selma Blair. Yeah, Selma Blair's like nice outfit, and she says, uh, <laughs> "Oh, that's great. I like your costume too. When I dress like a frigid bitch, I try not to look so constipated." Yes, amazing clapback, iconic. In, and mm-hmm. the, yeah, the musical they like turn into like that that strange like Gloria Steinem moment. Yeah, she, again, she's yeah, that's work. after that, and then she, but her insults like, I you look like you got your stuff off the sale rack. It's like very sure. material yeah. and like just classist mm-hmm. instead of being something interesting and no, because the you know? yeah the one in the movie is really funny and it is very effective because as we yes. touched on, like she decides to just own this moment, right, and just like when Warner's like, why are you wearing a costume? Her answer is literally, I just decided to dress up, which is. Yes. objectively pretty funny that she's like yeah i just decided to wear this on a friday for no reason yep. <laughs> um, um and I, that's also a pivotal so, moment because that's sorry when she like finally sees warner and is like i'm never going to be good enough for you that you know or in your eyes like yes he's never going to consider her good enough and that's a huge that party is a big turning point for l absolutely yes and like i think that combined with like her her like chatting with emmett afterwards mm-hmm. is where is yeah where she's like you know what I'm at fucking Harvard Law. Yeah. And and I'm never going to be good enough for like Warner's dumb expectations. Yeah. I'm just going to become a good lawyer for me. Like exactly. I'm going to like this this is going to be for me and she and we'll get into this in a second. She takes this on her own. Yes. She Vital. <laughs> she yes. drives full force <laughs> into her <laughs> mission yeah. of being good at law school of her own volition. Yes. Like she she has like she has some cheerleaders but like she's well, the one who She like, has gets a run in with Emmett, but all he does is see her buying a computer and he and she just says like don't ask about my outfit. There's yes. no like pep talk or anything. It's the very fleeting interaction. I believe we'll at the get into like that. the school we'll get... bookstore. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um but either way, she gets great. She gets the attention of Victor Garber as Callahan, um, mm-hmm. who again very good. He's yeah. he's very good at. It's so funny because he can both be like a really nice character in a film, but then mm-hmm. also like is really good at being an asshole in a film. Yeah. He's able to straddle those lines really beautifully. Um, but yeah, so she she does real well. Mm-hmm. She she gives uh she uh, applies to be uh one of his interns with a uh, pink with a scented pink resume. resume. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Good Beautiful. bit. Good bit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and she gets it. Mm-hmm. And she, well, which yeah, she leads to yes! another classic, yes! classic brush off line, which then turns into a whole dumb song. But I love when she just is like, "Oh, Warner!" Like she knows exactly what mean thing she's gonna say. Did you remember when we spent those four amazing hot hours in the hot tub after winter formal? This is so much better than that. And like that's such a yeah. cutting good insult for just this context. And then it. I don't, yeah, I don't well, like No, I think it sounds like uh, <laughs> a great way to to create, to format a Act 1 finale. I don't know what you're talking mm, about. Um, so okay. either way, <laughs> so either way, uh, Paulette uh, is uh, attracted to the UPS guy who stops by the salon mm-hmm. and she freezes up. <laughs> it's very funny because Jennifer Coolidge is very funny. She freezes up every mm-hmm. time he stops by and uh, Elle's like, well, you gotta do the bend and snap. And I gotta say, mm-hmm. So yeah, bend and snap, you know, drop an item, bend over, snap back up, 
sexually yeah. alluring, you know? Yeah. 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 I, you yeah, gotta, you gotta, we're all, we're all demonstrating it right yeah. now. Uh, for those, it's all in the bounce. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. and I will say got they it. like got the it. way that that, yes, Brand Brand's a pro. I do Brand's not doubt that. A Brand seasoned Brand and snap pro. Got my pink lip on and everything. <laughs> and also, um, really, we're all in a hair salon doing this right now. Yeah, I will. I will just say, like, the way that that scene is structured, even the way it's filmed, like, it is built. Like, I was watching it, and I was like, "Yeah, this is fucking built to be turned into a musical number." Yeah, like it's like I, I I'm not surprised. And I and it's funny you say that because it's my least favorite moment of a movie that I otherwise love. Like I hate when it like sure. turns into a breakdancing bit. I'm just like, what am I watching? Like it's so tonally wrong for so much of the rest of the movie that it's actually perfect that you're like, this is the moment that told me it could be a Broadway musical because it's such yes. a, an eerie it harbinger. Like so overdone yeah. to people would say just that line for yeah. ten years. Yeah, exactly. But and it just will, it became then, like its own yes. thing. Yeah. But when Paulette does it and then like hits him in the face, it's great. so funny. Good moment. Really good physical <laughs> comedy there. And immediately cutting to L going, you broke his nose is a very good edit. Yes. Really sharp. Yeah. Um, so yeah. But either way, yeah. so then yeah. the, the court the court case that they're working on uh, mm -hmm. is for Brooke uh, Wyndham. This, yeah, Brooke Wyndham, yeah. Uh, who is. <laughs> Uh, exercise like fitness coach uh people love her dvds uh her was it dvds whatever some kind of home video she taught formats. i think she teaches classes and she has like a video empire i don't know if they specify like the medium yeah. either way yeah. she is accused of murdering her older husband um and then we find out that like uh oh l knows her and also not only just through her like fitness stuff but also like she is also a delta new sister mm-hmm and so yeah. uh, Brooke is not able to give the team an alibi, but she does give Elle her alibi because, like, there's this trust because they are mm -hmm. uh, Delta Nu sisters. Um, her alibi is that she was getting liposuction. Mm -hmm. Sucks. Like I like I get it. It's it's I, I you know I'm I'm never a fan of like oh just like body image stuff being used as like a fucking plot device. I get it. She's a fitness coach. I yeah, get I mean, it for the. I get it for the character. I agree with you. I think it does make sense that she's just like I would be. Ex my entire career would be exposed as fraudulent if people found out about this. Like, it makes sense for her character because she. It really is committed to her career, right? And so it's yes. like, and I think that's the interesting thing they do with uh, Brooke too is they actually specify right when they take on her case, like she's not she was not like a quote unquote gold digger. She was very independently wealthy. Right. And so that was yeah. an interesting twist to throw in there that like she wasn't married to this older guy for for nefarious Jennifer Coolidge and Best in Show reasons. She was married to him for, because <laughs> actually she presumably liked this guy. And she yes. indicates that very strongly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so there's the court case and they're like, all right, well, we'll still like defend her. We'll see what we can do. Um, they one of the witnesses is this pool boy. Enrique, um, yeah, Enrique, um, and who uh, purports that him and Brooke were lovers, and Brooke is like, nope, wouldn't sleep with someone in a thong, mm -hmm. um, right? That's the line. Delta knew. Uh, Delta knew would never. Yeah. yeah. Sure. She um, just liked to watch him clean the filter. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, uh, and, and again, like the, so the way in the film that L suspects that he's gay, um. 
is that he comments on her shoes, right? Mm-hmm. He says, don't stomp your little last season Prada shoes at me. Yeah. And her immediate response is they're not last season, which is a really funny first reaction for her yes. to have, objectively. Yes, that is a very <laughs> funny first reaction. Yeah, so Elle comes back and there's this great moment where she's like, Warner, what, what shoes am I wearing? And he's like, I'm not black. <laughs> and she goes, See? Bit, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, pretty funny. Um, I also really like... Th- I like the cross-examining that Emmett does that, you know, you're about to bring up where it's just rapid fire, which is a really yes. smart way to get someone to admit something where he's like, well, where did fun, you go a fun on way dates? of telling a joke as well. Yes. Yeah. No, but it, it's just like, yeah. And your boyfriend's name is Chuck is a, is a, a funny bit. I mean, the part that happens right after is probably one of the things about the movie that maybe doesn't really hold up as well in 2021. But yeah. the okay, rapid any, fire any interrogation of, yeah. is still funny to me. I would say, like, the majority of mainstream queer commentary in... The majority of mainstream queer commentary in early 2000s cinema, pretty bad. <laughs> not very good. Yeah. No, it wasn't solid. Um, and it's not like this movie is, like, overrun with, you know, negative stereotypes and butts of jokes. It's just, like, this one thing. So it's probably yes. stands head and shoulders above most other films at this time. Um, but uh, yeah, so they prove that Enrique and Brooke were not lovers. He was being told to parrot this lie. Right. Exactly. Um, right yeah. after that then is when Callahan uh, tries to uh, hit on L. Mm-hmm. Not good. Very bad. Don't do it. And Vivian gets the wrong idea. Mm-hmm. Vivian thinks that yeah. Elle is sleeping her way to the top, which is not cool. Um, she doesn't even really yeah, ask her about it. She just gets mad. It is interesting. Cool. Vivian has a very different response in both in each, uh, yeah. both the film and the musical. It's and I would mm-hmm. say, like, obviously, like for her character, it's kind of a worse response in the movie, right, where she gets the wrong idea. Um, yeah. And so she, so Al goes back, uh, back home, and she's like, and she goes back to the salon, and she's like. Mm-hmm fucked it up like what am i doing like this like i don't know this guy's trying to like hit on me and now like everyone thinks all this dumb shit uh and then it's holland taylor who's the one who comes out and is like don't you put up with that asshole in the salon salon, yeah yeah. she's getting her perfect hair done she's a queen (laughs) yeah um l return not only does l return to uh, the uh, to the court, but Brooke has fired Callahan mm-hmm. and has rehired L. And there's like some law, some statute or what have yes. you that a law. So Emmett is can, able- yes, yeah, Emmett can basically supervise her. I also want to point out that this is probably the most iconic fashion moment of the entire film. That great pink outfit, belted dress that she wears. I have been searching for that for years to no avail. Um, I want it very badly. Please give it to me. But it is such an iconic moment of the strut into the courtroom. Like she's just, she's back, right? It's it's a powerful moment. It's a good one. It, it's a very yeah. powerful moment in a very powerful film. Uh, yeah. And then of course, oh, and of, and of course, uh, the final witness uh, is the, the, the stepdaughter, right? Is that who it is? No, she, well, she's Brooke's stepdaughter and she is this biological daughter of the murdered, older man and yes. uh of course, her, name, her, name is, her. her name is 
Yo, no, yes, I was getting to that. So her name is Chutney, <laughs> the character, and a <laughs> great, great name for a young white woman <laughs> to play a character named Chutney. Uh, it's, it makes it's, me you laugh know? Uh, And of course, she's played by Linda Cardellini in a very mm. good performance. And a very she's bad Very game. funny. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, need to um, quickly point out that uh, Chutney's mother is played by Raquel Welch. Absolutely, Which is and just no, such a weird only. little piece of casting. So brilliant, uh, brilliant, like billing aside, uh, in the opening credits for the film, uh, it credits special appearance by Raquel Welch. Not yes. like she doesn't get like the and or a featuring no. special appearance by. She's not in the movie for long enough, and that's probably all her agent could do. It's very, it's fascinating, yeah. fascinating uh, negotiations that went on to get yeah. billing. Uh, exactly. Very strange. Who um, has the and? But, yes. Does anyone have the and credit? Is it Victor no and? It, it the 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 opening uh, credits, of course, uh, underscored by "Perfect Day," which also ends the film. Uh, yeah. Those are your musical caps. Should have been in the musical. Uh, yeah, like I'm infuriating. A that song that, is a that worked out perfectly. <laughs> that song's a bona fide bop. It should have been the whole musical. You're right. It's, yeah, every song should have been per- should have been perfect day. Either yeah. way, yes. The the opening credits for the actors just ends with special appearance by Raquel Welch. Interesting. Um, no okay. ends. Yes. Hmm. Um. Either way, uh, L in her brilliant knowledge of uh, in uh, my favorite quote, which I believe I wrote, that I, maybe it's here. The rules of hair care are simple and finite. <laughs> Um, yes. That is uttered at some point. It's just a good yeah. line. I like. And the lot. fact that she busts out uh, at the risk of deactivating the ammonium thiglocolate, like she's got the term <laughs> jargon locked and loaded, is it, magnificent. It's a chef's kiss. Truly. Yes. Um, but yeah, so she realizes that, like in Chutney's story, she said she got a perm earlier that morning and then took a shower, and that's why she couldn't hear the gunshot. But of course, as we all know. You cannot shower for, was it 48 hours? It's 24, 24 hours, yes. 48 hours would be wild, yes. But yes, yeah. you cannot shower for 24 hours after you get a perm. It ruins it. Mm-hmm. And so that, and so in that courtroom, right then and there, Chutney's like, I thought it was, I thought it was Brooke behind that yeah. door. Also, great moment where one of um, the Delta New sisters, like, uh, Elle is doing her cross-examination of Chutney and she goes, Chutney, why do you think a different sorority sister's curls were ruined when she got hosed down at a wet t-shirt contest? And one of the Delta New girls pops her gum out of her mouth to answer the question, which is yes. just like a really fun <laughs> cutaway gag that I that makes me laugh every Holds single time. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. yeah. It's I good. like when they say, vote for Elle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God, there's a judge and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and again it's not i wouldn't say they're stupid they're just like again this just isn't an environment they've been in before. no no so they just don't just know what their natural is. reaction <laughs> yes yeah um either way wins the case hurrah 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 um l fucking crushed it uh doesn't give a shit about warner mm-hmm. um and i wouldn't and i would and i wouldn't even say that she explicitly ends up with emmett at the end of this like the present timeline no. that is presented in the film um, there's just like obviously just like a friendship and a respect for each other, maybe a budding romance, but again, it isn't really hinted at. Um, uh, and no, then we not skip until forward. the graduation scene, yeah. And then yeah, they so, yeah, so graduation. Yeah. She's valedictorian, fucking great. We get the little like perfect day plays. We cut to each mm-hmm. of the characters with a little text that gives the where are they now, and then we find out that Emmett is going to propose to L tonight. Very Another cute, brilliant cutaway sweet. gag in that scene is that her father still has a martini. 
Um, that's another sure? really good little cutaway that her father always yes. has a martini and he has one inexplicably at her law school graduation <laughs> in the Why audience. Not? Yeah. It's a party. Yeah. It's a good everyone's, time. Everyone's having a great time. Yeah. Um, so, so yes. Um, I feel like we've talked enough about the film, which is a yeah. good, which is a good movie. Really good movie. Which we all seem to like, which is great. Good, good on us. Um, but of course, mm. the other reason that we're here is that mm. uh, six years later, in the year of our Lord, 2007, mm. uh, the film was adapted into a musical uh, called Legally Blonde. Of course it's called Le- Legally Blonde the Musical. Um, fascinating. Fascinating musical. Um, now, what I said at the beginning of this podcast, I still think is true. I do not think that... And if, of course, if you enjoy Legally Blonde the Musical, fucking great. I will say, I saw... Uh, the production that was here uh, in Chicagoland at the Paramount Theater a few years ago, and it was a great production. I mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. Uh, they there was like sort of like a design choice they used. They had like a giant iPhone that they used like projections for throughout huh. the show, which was very fun. I was actually living in New York when it was running at the Palace because I was there for college for my first semester, um, but I never made it to see it, which. I don't know why, because I was so into Legally Blonde, but I, I never made it to yeah. to the theater. Um, but that was also like, you know, right before the recession hit, so Broadway was not. I was about to doing say you, you didn't you didn't you didn't well. have just yeah. a spare you just didn't have a spare one hundred and twenty dollars to buy a ticket no. to see a Broadway no, show. But no? I in the summer of two thousand and eight. <laughs> yeah, and I distinctly remember that the the show playing directly next door was the Young Frankenstein musical. Yeah. Yes, yes. I think. Yes, was, I, yes. I believe they were yes. like in the same block because I would yes, Young see Frankenstein, them a lot. Yeah. Young Frankenstein was at what yeah. was at the time, I believe, called the Hilton Theater. It's got, it was yeah. then became the Foxwoods Theater. And yeah. It's, it's a weird, strange building. But um, like geographically, they were oh. very close. Yeah. Oof. God, Young I remember. Uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to get back to that. Um, either way, so yes. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll, so I'm just gonna say like the Par- yeah the Paramount Theater production that was here, very good version of the show, uh, very good production of the mm-hmm. show. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I'm sticking to my thesis that I put at the top of the show that one's enjoyment of Legally Blonde the musical. I don't think obviously there's the nostalgia factor of oh yes I remember liking the movie I will go to see yeah. the show, but I I would argue that. Of the stuff that you can enjoy in the musical, I don't think it's tied to like I don't th- I don't think it's tied to memorabilia from the film except for Bend and Snap. I would say that like Bend and Snap is maybe the only moments that is directly tied to like a bit from the film and just the general iconography of sure. the pink and yeah, I mean, new of course, but like the, I would uh, say the, like, sort of look of her and the yeah. dogs, yes, and, and the dogs, the, obviously dogs. I would I would say if any other number I think has any DNA with the movie, it's oh my god, you guys, because I think sure. that it does echo the open. So the opening of the movie, you know, we didn't really touch on this, but Perfect Day is playing as it usually is, and it's like they're passing a card for Elle to congratulate her on her. Uh, presumed upcoming engagement like through the yes. sorority and everyone's signing it and it's just like all these like beautiful girls like doing sorority stuff i was not in a sorority i don't know if you can tell uh that i don't know yeah, anything sorority about. stuff yeah yeah just normal sorority things like exercising and putting on makeup and stuff and uh I, I do think oh my god you guys does a good job of like 
they both have a really upbeat energy when you start either the musical or the movie. You're like, all right, this is, you know, I get that this is like peppy and fun and this is the tone. Um, I think it largely goes downhill from there. But I do think, oh my God, you guys has some DNA in a, in a weird way. Cool costume change on a fire pole too. <laughs> it does have a really weird fire yes. pole change. That's yeah. like the best part of the whole show maybe for me, honestly. It actually also um, has a moment can. where the dog jumps into Annalie Ashford's arms and I'm like, that's a good moment. How'd they do that? I, I well, There is that one moment where it's, it's so funny. Yeah, we are of course referencing when MTV filmed yeah. a professionally shot version of the... With the original uh, cast of with the with yeah to most of the original cast or all of the original cast um and clearly uh filled the audience with the loudest people in the world to cheer on the production. So I don't know if I'm correct, but I think I kind of remember this. I think it was like only fan, like it was just fans. Like I think that they been. had like a I think they had contests to staff that audience full of people who just would go absolutely fucking ape shit over everything that happened and, because and i again, do think it like, was yes. i think i might have entered it honestly like i think you had to like send in a video sure. of yourself like pretending to be l i think i, I might be making this up i well, might have like a false that reality thing. show too right it, mm, no, it's, it's not pre. it's a it's, it's a route really yeah it's pre it's the beginning yeah. of the Whoa. mtv relationship with legally blonde which we yeah. will get into in a second because um, in the, but well because yes. the the reality show is all about finding the next l woods and in the mtv one it's still laura bell bundy who originated the role it's See, not. I thought the next L Woods was her because the first L Woods was Reese Witherspoon. Oh my God! That's, <laughs> that's what I've always <laughs> understood. That uh, show my mind is so blown right now. You're right, though. So oh, the third cool. should have been the third L Woods. Okay. Call, I have to call MTV right now. <laughs> you got it. You, you absolutely have to. God, that is very yeah. funny. Um, that's either way. Um. So yes, legally blown. And uh, yeah, uh, there's the thing with the dog where like Annalie Ashford like is clear like putting her hand down and like that's the trick for like making mm-hmm. the dog shut up whatever cute dog Annalie Ashford's a treasure we love her um she's a gem best le- part of the musical she's a gem legally blonde the musical uh is the book the script for the uh for the show is written written by Heather Hack uh who was a co-writer of the screenplay for the film Freaky Friday the the 2003 Fre- Freaky mm-hmm. Friday the Lindsay Lohan Jamie Lee Curtis one so um, I'm, I, I mean, obviously I don't know when development for the show started, I'm, but I'm sure that was a huge part of her getting signed on to write the show. I would, ima- like, I would oh. imagine so. Yeah. It's like you co-wrote ima- this huge seminal, uh, yeah. teenage girl film. Yes. You'd be great to write this, uh, musical. Yeah. Yeah. I can um, only imagine the that. School, yes. Yeah. Yes. The score, uh, is written by, uh, husband and wife team, uh, Lawrence O'Keefe and Nell Benjamin, who are both fascinating writers in their own right. Nell Benjamin, uh, who's also written the play The Explorers Club. Um, she also uh, has written lyrics for another show we will be covering this season, Mean Girls, the musical, um, mm, which I don't right. want to get into because we're doing an old, another fucking episode on that thing. Um, <laughs> Lawrence O'Keefe, who, who co- co-composed the lyricist to the Wait, show. Did, uh, did Lawrence O'Keefe yes. write Bat Boy? Hell yeah, he wrote Bat Boy. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I knew Bat it. Bat Boy the musical. He, he wrote yeah. music and lyrics for Bat Boy the musical. A good yeah. show. Um, a uh-huh. very good show. Um, and then he also is one of the co-writers of again another musical we'll be covering this season, Heather's. Hmm. Which and I feel like there are a lots of compositional 
comparisons between mm-hmm. this and Heather's. I feel like uh, like there's a lot of songs where I'm like, oh, that is definitely a, a, a predecessor, precursor to what we're going to eventually hear in Heather's the musical, which again, a better show. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, and again, I'll say like not a lot of lines are, this is not a big copy paste show. No. I, I will give it that. I will say that, like, a lot of the script, like, again, uh, as we cover on the Shrek episode, David Lindsay A. Bear uh, wrote in heavy quotations uh, the script for Shrek the Musical, and there's just, a, it's a lot of just, like, lines from the from the screenplay brought over to the, to the musical. I think Here, it is important to, like, give it that credit, right? Because th- there is some clever wordplay in this musical. They did make an effort to, like, write from scratch. I agree with you. It's yeah. pretty... It's pretty from the ground up, which has its moments, I guess. Yeah, no, like, again, like, good on them for not just, like, copying and pasting and just, like, mm-hmm. copying what was successful in the film. Like, they they took a stab, they took a shot at turning this into its own thing. And it was sort of, like, part of my my initial thesis is that this is this is its own thing, still obviously inspired by the nostalgia and memorabilia of Legally Blonde the film, but it's a musical now. Um, yeah. So yeah, so you start off, and I would, I would also, I would even go further, and mm. I would say everything before we get to Harvard's campus, pretty good. I'm gonna say it. I would agree with that because, like, the first three think, songs yes. are solid. I think Sirius is probably my favorite song because I think it's the funniest. It's song. very funny. It's a very I, yeah. funny song. It's really funny, and like all the interjections Elle tries to make when, in the middle of kind of Warren's like rhapsody or Warren, Warner, I just call him Warren. That's not his name. Um, <laughs> wow, but no, I it, Sirius is a funny song and it's a funny duet. It's a really funny duet. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And what you want um, is parts of what you want are a banger, is what I'll say, and I yeah. and I stand by. And I parts think, of it are again, um, like deeply problematic. Yeah. Hell yeah! Why did yeah. they add? The, why did they add the Jamaican thing? Not great. Yeah. <laughs> Lo- I love how many, how many ties that guy has on though. He's got yeah. like three ties in the production. He's wearing a chaotic head. amount of ties. Yeah, I just um, so, I mean, okay. How many yeah, people did that have to go through? And everyone went, yeah, this is this is great idea. Like, how many gates did that idea have to cross through? And everyone universally just was like, yeah, love it. Yes, what? I will say. Yeah, it's this, like it's... the third most racist thing in this show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's really not even two number one and two yet. We're getting yeah. there. Um, so okay, and we will we will say the uh, and again. So the original Broadway production, directed and choreographed by Jerry Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I believe it was his Broadway directing debut, but he had choreographed Hairspray, Hairspray previously. Um, um, but yeah. So and I and I and like obviously our reference point is the MTV yeah. film production. But obviously, like, most of these choices are embedded in the script, I will say. But obviously, like, there's some stuff that, like, other productions can have leeway with. But yes, mm-hmm. I feel like the, the racism is pretty, uh, pretty big. I don't, I don't know how you would avoid it. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you um, would get rid of it. Unless you were just like, I'm I, cutting this line. Yeah. Um, but either way, so yes, we get into what you want, which again, like, yes, uh, yeah, good work, uh, Nell and uh, Larry. You know how to write catchy music. Thumbs yeah. up. Um, a lot of what I you love want the has rent- been stuck yes. in my head today. A lot. Yeah. 
Good, good music. Um, yeah. I love just the random nerd sorority girl that they just yeah. like, throw in there. Yeah, and yeah, the one, the one who's like, I know all about getting into Harvard, and you're like, you do? Then why are yes. you here? Um, then yeah, we get in the moment where she's like studying uh, for the LSAT, and uh, there's like some like party, and the theme is Jamaican me crazy. Mm. Unnecessary. No, thank you. <laughs> it's amazing how long. They make that guy do the Jamaican accent for too, because it it's like they repeat it like I felt like it was like three times. 80 times. Three times. It felt like eighty. It felt so long. Uh, but every yeah. time it happened again, I was like, "We're still doing this." It was but so also, it, I will say also, it's kind of hilarious that for the stage adaptation, they dock off four points from Elle Woods's LSAT score just so they can rhyme <laughs> with the word alive. Like you can't find a rhyme for the word nine. Lazy. Wait, <laughs> holy shit. I didn't know why they changed her score, and thank you for, like, pointing this out to me. Those I mean, that's bastards. what I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm guessing that they just changed it because they couldn't find a good rhyme for the number nine, so they just instead changed it to a rhyme uh, with the word alive. I don't know. This that... musical's weird. Ugh. Okay, that's stupid. Weird! Don't like that. Um, but either way, we go to Harvard. Mm -hmm. um, there's this weird, like, and I can't even tell if it's a joke, but it's really bad where they're like, we're going to accept Adam Cohen and Sundeep uh, Padamadan. I'm like, oh, cool, because one's Jewish and one's Indian. Fucking good on you. In my notes, I have, is there a deposed dictator at Harvard followed by, like, 25 question marks? Because I think that's what is happening like he said he was overthrown by a coup and he the whole that whole just like the fa the whole some deep uh Padamadan character just like what are you doing i what don't is this? have a fucking clue what's going on there it's so weird it's like a gr it's jarring because you're if you actually listen to what he's saying you're like what the fuck like it is really yeah, weird yeah. And again, this is stuff that they created from whole cloth. Yeah. Um, but either way, so yeah, they cut the video essay because, and like, I get it. For a stage show, yeah, mm, like, you're I not going to have like a video yeah. on stage. But it's um, much it weirder becomes, like, what this, they like, do. Yeah, not a fan. It's, like, it's just, like, it doesn't. She would be arrested for bringing a marching band to Harvard's admissions <laughs> office. Like, that's not, I get that this is a musical, but like, she would go to jail. They'd be like, you're breaking and entering and you brought a marching band and you're jumping for paper, please. Like, get the Go to go directly to prison, ma'am. You you brought in a marching band and a JetBlue promotion. How dare I you? I also have the JetBlue thing in my notes. I was like, did JetBlue pay to be included in this musical? Why do they specifically mention JetBlue? Is it for rhyming or is there something weirder happening? I literally have it's that in strange. my notes. What's with the JetBlue reference? Anyway, so weird. She gets into Harvard. The, the horny admission staff gets yeah. her in. Um, yeah, horny on Maine, not a fan. <laughs> The extremely parched, <laughs> thirsty admissions men get her in. Um, yeah, great. Um, so great. Oof. So we get to we get to we get to Harvard. Um, yeah. So yeah, like we said, uh, the only character is Enid, who seems to have survived. And of course, the, uh, they're like, "Oh, she's a lesbian." Guess we're gonna make every joke about yeah. her being a lesbian that we can. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Just like it's bore. It's it's lazy. It's so, it's such a lazy choice. I feel. It's so lazy, especially because I feel like Enid in the movie, like we talked about is really like, yeah, kind of fucking cool. Like, I'm like, every time I learn something new about Enid, I'm like, Enid seems fucking rad. And then like, yeah, she's just a joke in the musical, which sucks. Yeah. Um, it's not great. Um, 
But yeah, uh, uh, again, like this talking about production stuff in this production, Emmett is played by Christian Ball. Yes. Uh, his his character in this show in the musical, I would I will I would say, for me out I mean outside of the racism and like anti like the homophobic shit, mm-hmm. I would say like the change to like Emmett and Elle's relationship Ugh. is maybe the worst thing that the musical Awful. does. Thanks, Just a, I t- hate it. I don't, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't really get it. <laughs> no. It completely changes the thesis of the show. I, it completely I'm... changes <laughs> Elle's trajectory as a character. Yeah. I need... robs her of so much agency. Robs her of yeah. so much agency. I'm pouring a glass of pink of Elwood's pink wine to discuss the Emmett <laughs> thing. I can't. I can't. I can't I'm stay like... silent anymore. And I'll. And we'll, we can dig deeper into it once. It, once we get. I'm just going through the song list. Once we get to chip on my shoulder, uh, we can get more into it. Um, oh, we get. Yeah. Uh, we get uh, Callahan. So yeah. So as we sort of alluded to, uh, Holland Taylor and Victor Garber's characters are combined into one. They're just combined so into I Callahan. I wasn't even sure that that was the case. I thought it was just Callahan um, because I feel like I don't see any DNA of Stromwell in that character. It's, really, I mean, other than like kicking DNA- her out of class. Yeah, you know, so that's, that's it, what though. I'm saying. So, yeah, so, yeah. Right, but I, I think I, it seems to me that they just cut Holland Taylor's character, which sucks, sucks super hard. Like, that's one of my yeah. least favorite things is that I understand that, you know, there are characters that are going to get cut, but she's a really important character by and large. And, like, yeah. I just, there's too much. This is such an overstuffed musical already that I don't really understand why they couldn't just keep her in it because there's already way too much going on. So what did they think they were just going to completely lose the audience if that was character was also part of it? Come on. Speaking of Cal- speaking of Callahan, uh Nina, I sent this I, I messaged this video <laughs> yeah. to you the other day. Did you watch it? Did yeah, watch I video? did. And it was exactly yeah. correct. There's, yeah. I think it was just like a it was like a it's a YouTube video. It's just like a sketch video I think from like a, a comedian at UCB uh in New York and the mm-hmm. video is titled like the song in every musical that no one likes um yeah. and i like it I immediately it's a very funny song it's like referencing like i would say specifically like a sentimental man in wicked just like yeah. the song that like an older yeah. character sings that just isn't very memorable and that's exactly yeah. what came to mind when blood in the water came on it's, such... it's just like oh Oh, this is a song you're going to skip over when you're listening to Legally Blonde at the gym. Yeah, yeah I, I had in my notes, too. I was like, Blood in the Water isn't just boring. It's also, like, aggressively weird. Like, it's just, it's a strange song. It's way too long. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if it was six minutes. It felt like it was at least six minutes long. It's long. Um, uh, it's like we were talking about Victor Garber before, how he walks that line of like, oh, you're really nice and like you're a, he could be a good mentor and all this stuff. And then the yeah. turn later yeah. makes it so much like, oh, gross. Yeah. Oh, not, you know, no matter, she has no escape. But in this, this guy, like from the jump, is singing the song Blood in the Water, which is like the most dis- right. talking about how you, every lawyer is an ambulance chaser. I know. And like, yeah. why would you ever be surprised that he's also like a creep? No, that's a really good point that I didn't really occur to me, but yeah. it does not. It it really ruins that turn for Callahan. You're absolutely. I, I did. I did write in my notes: Is Callahan Ben Shapiro? <laughs> that is what came to mind. He like oh calls out Enid. Yeah, he's he like calls out Enid. Uh, like he used like some very sort of like right wing like talk show like terminal i forget it's i was just like this guy's an art like he would be a to- he, would, he would like be making videos for prager you if he was around today. Yeah. Yeah. no like the Honestly. whole song is like is like like uh work for the capital investment bankers because they'll actually pay you like 
facts don't care well, about I'm, your feelings. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then also the the jarring line, you lesbians think you're so tough, which I think was what that's I meant one. by- I think that's the one that- yeah. that's, that's I just looked that. up the lyrics because I was like, I was trying to remember what I was like, I, I wrote weird in my notes and I was like, why did I say that? I don't remember, but it was like one line where I was like, what the hell? And it was that okay. line. All right. Just surprising right. no Let's one. Keep it. Yeah. God, we're, still in the, we're still in the fucking middle of act one. We've got to keep moving. I know, so then uh, we do get. So, okay. And this. So, uh, the thing that I think this musical has trouble addressing is that what I think was what we talked about was great in the film is that Elle Woods is sort of the master of her own destiny. And it's kind yeah. and it's a very like internal journey for her, right? Mm -hmm. It's sort of just like she makes these decisions herself. She's the one who like changes course uh, after the party. Um she it's and so obviously like a, the thing in a musical is how do you take internal moments and externalize them? So Yeah. I, so like in the version which is like most thematically true to the to the film you would just have like a bunch of solos. You just have like I was uh, like, would that's what I was thinking. Is it would be numbers. so many, uh, so many I want songs, right? You'd have like eight I want yes. songs, and they all be And so I get, and I get how potentially monotonous that could be. Um, the I, but the choice. But I still think it would be better than what we got. Yeah. I, well, I yeah, it would be better than what we got. Well, at least so I think obviously one of the ways that they address this is the whole Greek chorus thing, right? So they like mm -hmm. create this like uh, quote unquote fun device. Uh, Pretty funny to, though. Greek it, chorus. It is. It Pretty is funny. <laughs> it's a fun pun. It's a fun pun. I'll give it that. Um, the song they sing positive sounds exactly so. Positive sound like is the one that sort of got me thinking about Heather's because in tone, mm. tone is a huge problem with the show. I don't know where the show sits tonally. I don't know no. if it's like, we'll talk about this on the Heather's episode, but I think that musical hits the beautiful, like satirical tone. So like on the mark, it's like able to like, handle its sort of like silliness and goofiness while so do, do you think its characters so I, well i have not listened to heathers but is it just that heathers like knows what it knows what it is and legally blonde does not i would say so I'd, if, in the broadest sense yes yeah i think like legally yeah. blonde like doesn't know whether it just wants to be like a straight like down the road mm -hmm. book musical or if it like wants to be making fun of itself or if it, if it wants to be a little sly with its humor like i don't i feel like it's like very all over the place yeah yeah the tone is really weird like like po it, like positive and i know that like uh i know that like l like changes like the course of the greek chorus after that first mm -hmm. after the first chorus but they're the things that were like keep it positive by punching her in the face i know that's not the right. lyric but that's like kind of <laughs> but that's like, but like, mean, that's, but like that kind of like that kind that of like irony right, yeah. i'm that kind of like ironic humor that's embedded yeah it's just like that doesn't but like you don't really see a lot of that you see snippets of that but again i'm just like i don't know where we're what we're trying to do what we're trying to say here you know what in that vein can we please talk about ireland we're about to get there um and i, I will just say <laughs> weird weird for a bunch of white authors to write the lyric will bring the noise if you bring the funk very uncomfortable to hear that lyric i think they also, also so dated ever yeah I, I was dated the second that they said it on stage they doesn't she also say like shake that hizzle g and shake your junk it's something about junk god it's, it's it's dumb it's, it's so bad, bad and dumb yeah this, positive uh, is a bad a song yeah just like mid, mid to late 2000s and arguably contemporary uh, appropriation of black culture uh, by white people. Not great. 
Yeah. Not a fan of that. Yeah. Um, literally, I wrote down the Ireland song is weird. Just like, it's again, just like this weird added thing it's that they throw so into the musical. Weird. I can't get over how weird it is. Like, uh, and like, I don't really get what it adds to nothing. Paulette's character. Nothing. And you know, it's funny because when I, I did used to like listen to the soundtrack when I, in like 2008, when I was still like in the throes of being a musical theater kid and I skipped Ireland every fucking time. I never listened yeah, not- to the song. Cause I was like, it's another blood in the water. It's so it's boring and I don't like it. And it's not a good song, yeah. but it, it's a baffling, like watching it in the MTV thing. I was like, what? Like, imagine being at this musical and all of a sudden Ireland starts and you're just like, what in the fresh fuck is happening? Like, what is she talking about? Why is this relevant to anything? Like, it has no, no bearing on anything at all. It's, it's crazy. It's, not, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange character trait that they give Paulette, which again, isn't, it's pulled from whole cloth. And I just don't like, again, it's like, it's these weird things. Like even like along with the Jamaican thing, I'm like, did they just like want some weird outlet to like write an Irish folk song? Yeah. And, like, 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 what is this? It's so jarring. It's questionable. Against the rest of the show too. Like tonally, you bring, you know, you brought up tone, like it's slower. Like it, there's no like bounce to it at all. Like it's, it, it brings the first act to me to a grinding halt because I'm just like, yes. what the shit? And then I have to like recover from Ireland. And by that point, we're already so much better. The first act is over. Well, we're not because we're a chip on my shoulder, which oh, is where we got to really fucking dig no. deep. So, so, th- so for me, this is the fatal floor of the show. Because like, again, I guess they're like trying to, again, broaden Emmett and Elle's relationship. But like again, like they just have a friendship in the film. For the like, obviously, there's the implication at the end that they get engaged. Not the implication; they get engaged at the end of the film. But like, they there is not any kind of. Not only well, is there not really a romantic subplot in the film, like an overt romantic subplot no. in the film. Um, think, but yeah. then, of course, Elle's journey to becoming a lawyer is her own decision. Exactly. And in this musical, I'm very angry. Yeah. It's just like. It's, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be your teacher and I'm going to be your mm-hmm. your Mickey to your Rocky. I'm, I don't know why that came to me. Um, but yeah, like it's so it's just like, I'm going to push you. And she's like resistant to it. And it's, just like, it's such a different dynamic. It completely, uh, for me, fucks she's over. She's dumb in the musical. It yes. Sucks. Yeah. And also like that segment in Chip on Your Shoulder where he like goes into her dorm room and he's like, get rid of all your stuff and be different. I'm like, that's antithetical to the entire fucking point of the goddamn movie. Like when he's like, you don't have time to work out. And I'm like, there's literally a scene in the movie where she's working out and studying at the same time, proving that she is like conquering the world by herself, superwoman style. Like Emmett would, the Emmett of the movie would never be like, throw out all of your beauty products and nice clothing so that you can be like a a, a real person that all that's absurd. Like he, he tries to fundamentally not just teach her, but change who she is, which is, yeah, ah, no, it is. It's completely antithetical to the themes of the film and arguably even the themes of the stage show. Um, yeah, yeah. And then it's, and then it's like, uh, God, it's just so, it's so strange. And I, I get it. They were probably like, okay, Emmett has kind of a back, not like a background role, but like he is a little like in the background in this film. And so they're yeah. probably figuring out, okay, how do we, how do we justify this character? How can, how can we like bring him? Sure. Like, but giving him like this for the- crazy involved backstory about like 
his like string of alcoholic stepdads and like all this like shit like it's kind of like you know how like when they did that standalone solo movie and everyone was like I don't care how the Millennium Falcon got its name like I don't want to know Emmett's backstory no one ever asked for this um I it's that Patton Oswalt joke I don't care about how the stuff I like was made I just yeah, care about yeah. the stuff I like no and but that's how I felt about Emmett too is I was like I don't care Emmett does not need a fucking involved backstory he is a he's a an associate he works for Callahan he takes an interest now in because he can tell that she's smart and like admires her gumption and probably has a bit of a crush on her. And that's it. That's what Emmett is. I don't need Emmett to fuck. I don't need Emmett to be whatever the hell they turned him into here. Like it's this is it's really, it's really bad. It's um, so bad. Um, I will say it is very funny that, uh, uh, so Orfe plays Paulette mm -hmm. and her real life husband, Andy Cole is in the ensemble of this show. Huh. And he plays both Dewey, the ex-husband, huh. and he plays the UPS guy. Well, that's cute. Which is, that's very, which is very cute. cute. That's extremely cute, actually. And, and Andy Cole is going to come up a lot in this miniseries because, this, <laughs> this podcast rather, because he plays, he is the lead in Groundhog Day, the musical. Wow. He is the lead in Rocky, the musical. And wow. he is the lead in Pretty Woman, the musical. That's He's a fascinating actor and we will not dig into him right now um but then uh, yeah act one ends with so much better which again like it's fine cute song good i have work, a Laura. i have a well, thing that i learned from watching the reality show the search for what should be called the third l woods so they make all these girls sing the ending <laughs> thank you you're I i'm i'm with you on this i think we should be writing strongly worded letters to many people when this is when this is concluded um but no so they make all these poor girls auditioning sing like the final bit of so much better and i believe they made them do it no they had accompaniment i thought it was acapella but re regardless that's a really really difficult Tough series ending. of notes Tough ending. and you have to hold the before forever like it you just have to stand yeah. there and like check your watch and like maybe like take a nap it's exhausting so i spent most of the first episode of the search for elwood like this because yeah. i just couldn't watch all these girls just flatline on that final note and almost every one of them just yeah. ate absolute shit and I was like thinking about how mean it was of the people who wrote this music to be like, I'm going to fuck up someone's day with this enormous climactic note. It's really, it's, I, I watched an, a 45 minutes of, of television on YouTube just through my fingers. Like it was a horror movie because I could not handle the, the crucifying embarrassment. It was just horrible. So that's I'm how so I feel about so much I, better. I, I'm glad. I'm glad that you were able to bring that to this episode. It means a lot. Um, act wow. two. We got, we got it. We, wow. we got it. No, no. I'm. I'm. I was genuine. That was a genuine comment from me. Um, all, all right. right. We got. Move we got to fucking speed through act two. Um, yeah. Opens with whipped into shape. Fun jump rope number. Weird implication. Mm. They, they add this thing where like the, she's like, oh, you can use the jump rope to kill a person. Yeah, I <laughs> so really did bizarre. not like that. Another crazy yeah. choice insane like all of a sudden i was like are you like a like a member of like are you gonna do krav maga and like murder a man on the stage like what is happening <laughs> that's very strange okay and then we get uh take it like a man where again just like why why are we reinforcing gender norms it's tight yeah we're reinforcing cool. gender norms we're, we're reinforcing l's focus on material uh yeah. material shit She's so much bad makeover too 
Yeah, really <laughs> yes, bad makeover. Bad makeover. <laughs> yeah. He looks fine. We're, mi- we're missing the most important part of this, which is that the makeover objectively sucks. Um, she's so dumb <laughs> in the musical. She's not smart yeah. in the musical or not in the correct they, way. They she's make dumb. They make her a lot they make her a lot goofier. They, it's a lot closer to like And like I don't want to blame like, that on yeah, Laura Bell yeah. Bundy, but like No, she's great. She's, she's doing really what good. she can with a very yeah. not great interpretation. It's a much character. stupider take on Elle, where you really never like the whole musical, you're like, this girl did not get into Harvard. <laughs> There's no way that she got into Harvard. Whereas like every moment on on in the movie, you're like, yeah, I can see how she got in. It's crazy. All right, act two. Um, it, it is. It is crazy. Yeah, no, I'm trying to trying to fucking plow through this thing. Um, so yeah, then yeah, yeah. we get bend and snap. Bend and snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, bad number. Uh, not interesting at all. Uh, not. Yeah. It's just boring and bad. Uh, it's really boring. Not, not a, it's it's whatever. It's fine. It's very fine. Um, then uh, okay. Oh, of course, of course, we get a, a beautiful. I would say we get maybe like the the best written song in the show. It's really beautiful. It is both a wonderful mix of I don't know how they're able to get these both in the same number. Just a beautiful mix of both homophobia and racism. <laughs> just like thrown together. Just yeah. how do they do it? It's so the, oh. the song the song is technically called "There Right There." Mm-hmm. Like there, right there. That's the fucking words they sing at the top of the song. Um, but it is, it is yeah. yeah, I would say colloquially known as gay or European. I feel like in in older versions of the original cast recording, it was actually subtitled "Gay and European", gay European in parentheses. Sure. Um, I think that maybe in the playbill it, it's they, titled that. Yeah. No, but like on Spotify, it does not say that anymore. I suspect they took it off. Sure. I think it used um, to be in the title. I don't and know. I, Maybe it's just like they didn't want to spoil it for people who are reading the playbill before the show. I don't Jesus know. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. I, either way. And like they, but I don't know. It's so dumb. And because, yeah, like the, so in the musical, the way that she suspects he's gay is because like she does the bed and snap and like he doesn't react. Um, also really an unsettling. I mean, I don't even need to say why that's unsettling. Like it's a just, man is not attracted yeah. to me. So he, ugh. Jesus. Yeah, it's also what is the character's name? Did I mishear it, or is it actually R.J. Tacos? Uh, oh, so okay, I have the script. Okay, okay, this uh, great point. Thank what? you for bringing this up, Brand. So I do. I have the script. Um, so I guess maybe the implication is that he's supposed to be Greek. I thought his name um, was Nikos. Yeah, no, his his first name is Nikos, and his lar- his 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 surname is R.J. Tacos. And so, but they pronounce it RG Tacos because they're fucking American idiots. Uh, um, it's such a, it's stupid. It's stupid. It's a bad, like, uh, like he's supposed what, to be Greek. Okay, he, yeah, I, I get, but it's still like I don't know. It's he's, I think he's coded. Again, it's again that's the thing. They make him so like racially ambiguous that you can like fucking code it. I think we could probably wants. do a separate like Patreon only an exclusive just about this song. <laughs> Honestly, like, and that's why I don't. I don't even want to talk about it. It's ugly. No. It's Awful. bad. Awful. So it, like, deeply offensive. You, like, you could make the argument that you might as well just fucking throw this show out because of it. Because of if it, if you yeah. really Truly. wanted to. Truly. No, no I, you're exactly like spot on, Ben. Like, how could they manage to pack all this garbage and offensive trash into a single few minutes of music? Like, that's it's almost impressive in a totally perverse, upsetting way. Yes. Yeah. yeah, not great. Um, 
So then, uh, so then we get to the scene where Callahan tries to hit on her, and then yeah. I will say, I will say. So as we as we discussed in the film, in the film, Vivian misreads the situation, yeah, and suspects L of actually like being romantically involved with Callahan, and then we get uh, Holland Taylor's character as the one who inspires her. Mm-hmm. In the musical, I actually I do like the choice of her being able to like read the situation correctly. And then sort of her turning around for the big sort of inspiring thing in the Legally Blonde remix song. I think that is a better, more interesting choice for that character. Even if it's, uh, yeah, even if it is for the sake of scrapping Holland Taylor's character. Mm -hmm. I also, the song Legally Blonde is really, like, I don't understand the thesis of this song at all. Because, like, they're just shoehorning the title of the musical into a song. Because she just keeps saying that she'll just be legally blonde. And I'm like, what does She's that gotta. mean? Well, don't, well, you he wanna... says it earlier, right? Doesn't he call he does, her legally he does. blonde? Yeah, yeah but like, then I'm calls, like, he... I'm like, this doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's a reach, the for title. Sure. <laughs> I remember just being it's... very baffled by that choice. I do, I do think Legally Blonde Remix, again, is a banger. I think it's a fun song. I think it's very catchy. Um, yeah, it's been stuck would, in my I head for the past few hours. Yeah. Um, but either way, um, so yeah, Vivian is the one who now inspires Elle. And now she's, and then there's a fucking, there's a river dance section. I, I, I need to bring reason. that up because I'm looking at the Wikipedia plot synopsis and I just need everyone listening to hear. Oh, no. They meet Kyle on the way who is taking a liking to Paulette and reveals himself to be Irish, prompting everyone present to Irish dance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is what happens. Are you, like, it's not wrong. <laughs> no, but reading it in such a stark way is one of the funniest fucking things. They're prompting everyone present to simply break into an Irish dance routine. Oh, okay. Yeah. So sure. Weird. Um, like you do like yeah, you do um, does. we get so so again plot pretty similar we get yeah. back to the courtroom and then the next strangely inexplicable moment is that they're like we gotta go back yeah, to the I, scene of the crime what insane the fuck is that it is it's so, so weird. it's some like scooby-doo shit <laughs> like we yeah. gotta pick up our stuff and, and like i do like the again like tone stuff like the Wait, like them singing like the scene of the cry the they give her a perm on the spot to prove that that's how perms work it's very silly um, also yeah. thinking about it like in production that yeah. means they probably spent fifteen thousand dollars for like half of a song because yeah. like three rolling set pieces come yeah. on on the on the main production yeah it's so weird Insane. Um, but yeah no it's like i do like again speaking of tone like the them going to like the scene of the crime like in another musical this would probably be very funny like this, just like nonsense. Like the characters, yeah, it's like so unself-aware though that it just yeah is so is bizarre. Again, it's just like this thing. It's so it's stuck between like earnestness and like goofiness. It's like it's yeah. trying to juggle so much at the it's same time, and very is not yeah. able to really hold anything up in the air. You get no. the final song, um, where of course L because we we are challenging we are challenging gender norms here. So of course L proposes to Ebbett. They, of course, you see, they fixed it. Oh. Hashtag feminism. <sighs> Hashtag lean they in. Did fix it. <laughs> yeah. Elle <laughs> leaned all the way well, into this relationship. Everyone, congratulations um, and to then, and Cheryl they, Sandberg. But then they, 
they even ch- oh my god oh, they even <laughs> changed some of the they even changed some of the where they are now stuff yeah very well i don't understand the vivian joining the peace corps thing at all it's so out of left field i'm like we were given no indication that she would ever also i did want to bring up about vivian that like her reaction is objectively a little bit better than the movie but vivian's character yes. is like barely in this musical mm-hmm she is well, seriously. Crazy they don't have a song together and become friends. I don't no. understand why they why that did not happen. Also, I feel like the dog just stops appearing in the musical like pretty quickly. Well, also, like dog it's dogs on stage. That's that's tough. I get it. So I I gotta bring up in the in the Paramount Theater production of Legally Blonde I saw. So obviously we have the scene where uh they go to Dewey's trailer and they get back Rufus. Mm-hmm. Um in in the musical, like she just like runs in and brings him out. For some reason, I don't know who knows why. In the Paramount production, there was just a the dog like walked off from like like the wings or something. And this poor this poor dog walked like a snail. It was and we were just like waiting for this fucking bulldog to just like trudge itself off this all across the stage. I actually have a hypothesis. I know that in other productions, they've had appearances from dogs that were up for adoption that were not oh, acting dogs. Cute. And then people would adopt them. That's I know so they did cute. that for some Christmas show. So either that or it was just a really bad actor. <laughs> I was just like, oh, this poor, very slow bulldog just crossing the stage. Oh. Oh, poor fella. Um, that's, that's the amazing. only way that I want. That's the only way I want to end this note about talking about the musical. Um, Nina, of course, you brilliantly braved uh, the MTV reality show, of course, Legally Blonde: uh, The Search for the Next Elle Woods. Um, Incorrectly titled, you, yes, but <laughs> go whatever. On. Are there, is yeah. there anything else? <laughs> I don't want to. We don't have to delve too much into it, but yeah, is there anything else, sort of, of notes from the reality show that you want to bring up? So the reality show is it's it's really trying to capitalize off of like the top model model of reality shows where it's like you put all these sure. girls in an, in a loft and they have different challenges every day and there's a panel of judges and there's a final it, it's very it's almost exactly like the format of America's Next Top Model. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was pretty interesting to see like these were some seriously talented people because the part of Elle Woods in the musical is like, as we've discussed, super flawed and really bears very little resemblance to Reese Witherspoon's, but it's a difficult part. Vocally, it's difficult physically. She used to do a lot of like very complicated dance numbers. It is a a lot. And you're also, there's a fine line when you're acting that version of Elle where you're, if you stray too far into Disney princess, like the thing that Laura Balbani did well is she's kind of wry underneath the like simplified version of Elle. And I think she sells it really well. So it was interesting to see like, you know, some frequently when you watch those kinds of that era of reality shows, it's a bunch of like untalented mess people just like living in a house, like big brother or whatever. But this was very talented people who had been training for like their entire lives to be on Broadway, who could all sing, who could all dance. So it was kind of like weirdly gratifying to be like well i hope these people got jobs like i hope the ones who got eliminated like did go on to work elsewhere because they were talented people um but it also felt really absurd like there was one of the girls had like bronchitis and still like absolutely crushed a number and then like was like i really can't keep going today because i have bronchitis and they were like your understudy can't always come on for you and i was like oh my god i feel like i feel like that's not right and you're just tormenting 
this girl who has bronchitis. Um, Richard Blake was a big part of the show. They got to like kind of go on like right. a date with him. Kate Schindel was part of it. Orpha was a part of it. Um, whoever, whomever plays Brooke Wyndham, whose name I don't know. Um, like the they, like challenge winners got to like hang out with members of the cast yeah. and stuff. Um, and they also like they forced the contestants to learn three different numbers worth of choreography. They had to do oh my god, you guys, positive and so much better with one day oh, of wow. preparation on the stage of the Palace Theater with the full company sets and orchestra. They had one day to learn all of it. And I was like, this is a goddamn nightmare. There's like moving stairs everywhere. It's like, terrifying. No, yeah. irresponsible. no, wildly <laughs> yes. irresponsible, but like no human actor could be expected to nail all of that after a single day of preparation. Oof. It was, so basically like they tried to make it super high stakes, but fundamentally misunderstood like how auditioning works and how Broadway works. Yeah. Um, um, and this yeah. this was this show was on the heels of Grease. You're the one that I want, I believe. I think that it was, yeah. And like they had like Jerry Mitchell, who was like showed up at the yeah. end. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and uh, Heather Heather ugh, with the writer Heather Hack Heather 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 Hack, yeah. Hack. She was one of the judges, and she was kind of like the meanest one, if I'm being completely honest. Um, sure. But yeah, no, it was it was a weird show. It was very, very like all of the fashion and everything was just so wildly like mid aughts. So many juicy couture tracksuits, and just like I remember feeling transported to like my time as a high school low rise jeans. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the lowest possible rise. Yeah. Um, no, it was it was interesting for sure it's not the way that you should ever cast a broadway musical ever no one should ever cast in that way for anything that's insane um Um, that's funny yeah i will say but (laughs) But i think one of the it's on youtube and it's a wild ride (laughs) god one of the funniest things is um i think it's it's, whatever it's moderately amusing uh is that there was a parody video uh called legally brown the search for the next piragua guy which was like around the same time as in the heights which was yeah. pretty funny if i recall yeah that i have not seen that but that sounds pretty solid yes um i will and i will say to to end this uh well to start to bring us to a close um so legally blonde uh got a a lot of tony nominations mm-hmm. but did not get a best musical nomination Mm. Um, like it got best, it got a nominate. It didn't, and it didn't win anything of its nominations. But it got a best score nomination, best book. Uh, Laura Bell Bundy was nominated for best leading actress in a musical. Christian Ball and uh, Orpha were uh, nominated in their respective categories. Like it was, it was, it like it got like it was almost like over nominated, but then yeah. like under nominated, you know? Also it's just like... quick, quick, like horrible thing about this reality show, just in terms of like this Broadway oh, run. Please, also, please, of, um, of course. I think that the girl who won, whose name I believe was Bailey. I think Bailey she only got Hanks. to, yes, Bailey Hanks. She got to play the role for like four months and then the show closed. So she put all this yep. work into it and she like barely got to play Elle Woods and then the show was And over. I believe the, the runner up was her understudy. That's correct. And I believe I looked up Bailey and she like lives in South Carolina and like has nothing to do with, you know, show business anymore. But yeah. I'm like, man, she put all that work Good. in. She only got Good to for play out for four months. Like that sucks. But it's still quite a, a long amount of time, I would say. Sure. But I mean, like, I think this girl was like, she was like 21. I think she was like pretty in this for the long haul. And then like, you're like, oh, the yes. show's closed because recession five. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, and I will say, yeah, so uh, Legally Blonde uh, was not nominated for Best Musical. Uh, those years' nominees were uh, Spring Awakening, which won. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curtains. Grey Gardens. Um, very apropos. Coming up later in the season. 
uh, and Mary Poppins, which we'll probably cover at some point as well. Hmm. Um, I guess those four are probably better than Legally Blonde, I would say. Give or take a Mary Poppins. Yeah. I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Rough year, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a... Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 well, we'll we'll get into it with Grey Gardens, but yes, yeah. uh, yes, yeah, yeah, interesting. Okay, uh, but yeah, so so I and I listen. I stand by my thesis that Legally Blonde stands on its own. It's for the, better or for worse. Sta- yeah. yeah, I was going to say and the the place that it's standing not great. Um, there's some like I don't know. There's some fun stuff in there. There's some cute stuff in there. I'm I'm like I'm. I love. I do enjoy the people who wrote the thing. I think they've they've all worked on better projects, mm-hmm. um, and I'm and I'm glad that they got this stepping stone in their career that I'm sure mm-hmm. was able to get them to their better projects. Um, but yeah, I think it's just when the basis of your show, what it is being originated from, is a show about self empowerment, about forging your way in the world while still holding true to your identity to making it by your own uh by your own push by your own motivation it is so strange to me to see a show that completely removes that agency from your lead character it's such yeah. it is maybe the most baffling thing about this adaptation and I, and again it's like i don't i'm so curious like why that was the choice they made from bringing it to screen to stage it is it's you would i would think that when you're looking to do an adaptation, you want to find like thematically what is true to your piece and keep that intact and extract well, from that. Not what the people who adapted Legally Blonde uh, no did no, <laughs> and it's and it's sad, and it's sad and honestly like it's it's for me it's a shame for me that no, it's, it's for a me total that is like opportunity yeah yeah. It is, yeah. a, it is, to me, in, in a very sort of large way, it is a failure in adaptation. You are actively mm-hmm. missing the points of the thing that you are bringing to stage, which is a yeah. shame. And Legally Blonde is such like a fun, upbeat, peppy movie, and it could have, there are many ways it could have worked. I don't know what they are, because I'm not a person who, is, who knows how to adapt things from stage, or screen to stage, rather. But there were ways to do this right. And yeah, I, this wasn't it at all i'm glad we took the journey though what a lovely journey speaking of yeah. uh nina starner being a person yes who would adapt <laughs> something from screen to stage um Boy, as okay. always on, on uh, as always on movie the musical we end each episode by asking our guest uh a question nina starner if you could adapt any movie into a musical that has not been adapted already what movie would you choose so I thought a lot about this, and I think that you think I'm going to say either Josie and the Pussycats or Popstar, and I absolutely still value those as choices, but those I feel like are a technicality because they contain music already, so it's almost too easy to adapt those. You've got kind of a, a Moulin Rouge situation. So I went totally left field, and I think that a movie that already has big musical energy that would have the potential for some really fun solo and ensemble work is Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. 
Which right. I think could Good. be right. yes. a really, really funny musical because you could have so many, you could have ensemble songs with the news crew, you could have a bunch of run numbers, you could have Veronica Corningstone like belted out with a showstopper. And it already has the absurd heightened feeling of a Broadway musical. So I think it would translate very seamlessly to All right. stage. I, three things, three things. Yeah. Number one, great answer. Thank you. This is capital G great answer. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad. Two, I was so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> number two, I was so sure you were going to say Josie and the Pussycats. I know I was you like, were. I mean, I guess it is a musical movie. We could do a Patreon episode on it. Like, yeah. It's a stretch, I think, but totally. <laughs> it's a movie with songs in it's, it. It's I'm just on the record. I, again, and this was... Tied in with Illegally Blonde, like the, and this sort of like hatred for feminine things. Yeah, I think like we need to live in the universe where that movie was a huge success. I that couldn't movie agree is more. Legit- yeah. That Good. movie is legitimately it's great. Honestly, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's so funny. It's fantastic. It's so um, clever th- and it holds up. Yeah, it, it holds up. So it arguably it holds up even more. I, um, yeah, I think it gets better. Like fine wine. Yeah. So what's your yeah, third? As thing? as. <laughs> As capitalism slowly overtakes the world even more, yeah. it becomes more relevant. I know um, Alan Cummings number th- and Parker Posey are behind this somehow. <laughs> number three. Why, <laughs> Wyatt Frame. Uh, number three. Uh, I sometimes, this is just a fun fact for everyone to know, because so, I, I write music, I write songs, yeah. and sometimes I like, this, like to write like joke songs. Mm-hmm. And one time I did write a joke opening number for an Anchorman musical. And no, you did called, not. I did. I like for my like for myself and it's on my phone. I like did like a this I recorded it and it's on my phone and I wrote a joke opening number called Good Morning San Diego and it's a parody of Good Morning Baltimore. <laughs> oh my god, I need my hands on that yesterday. <laughs> yes. Cuz yes. And and like and I will say just for tr- for transparency that I I will rarely respond to this final question of what to adapt because I write stuff myself and there's ideas I don't want to give away. I will happily give this idea. I will happily give this idea away. Like, I, like, I, like, because obviously that's how you open the show, right? You open it with a song called Good Morning San Diego. Duh. Yeah. And then later (laughs) you have like a reprise that's Go Fuck Yourself San Diego. And that's the like big dramatic turning point. But I think an Anchorman musical could be, could be a blast. So that's my answer. Yeah. But yes, a very good answer. Thank you again. Um, yeah. Nina, Nina Stana, thank you so much for being here today. It's been such a treat. Um, um, Nina, Nina, what, el- what else would you like to plug that we have not uh, plugged already? Uh, like personal things? or Yeah, or like wh- where, can, where can people find you if you want people oh, to sure. find you? Oh, um, sure. Home on... address, social yeah. security number, <laughs> Yeah, so like my that. mother's maiden name is as follows, and here is my pin. Um, no, you can find me on Twitter at Nina Starner, all one word. Um, that's probably the place where I'm most visible. My Instagram is literally just pictures of my dog, uh, and it's N-I-N-U-H-H-H, Nina. Um, I'm sure you can connect with me on LinkedIn if you really feel so inclined and (laughs) you can also read my uh, pop culture listicles and news articles on Looper which is a fine website that has been a happy home to me for a couple of years now and lets me 
write about Game of Thrones for work, even though no one wants to hear about that show anymore. <laughs> Not even me. It's, it's a, a strange thing to bring into the pop culture ether these days. But I am still on a Game of Thrones beat, and you know what? Live in the dream, Benjamin. I am. I will, I will, and I will also personally vouch. Nina Stana, great Twitter follow. Great, wow, great person thank to follow you. on Twitter. Very good pop culture takes. Um, whether whether they are her own or whether she is uh, supporting other pop culture writers in the world, she is a wonderful person. Um, so yes, follow, follow Nina on Twitter. She's very she's very funny. And a, this was already has, like. Has, yeah. Such a good experience, and now I got a compliment from Ben K. I don't, I don't even know how, how dare feel. I. How dare oh I? God. Um, I know. Who knew it can happen? <laughs> um, and I want to thank Bran Moorhead for producing yes. and editing the show, as always. Um, I want to thank Emily Harrington for our artwork. I want to thank M. Modaf and Josh Stanley for our theme song. If you like the show, rate us, review us, subscribe for future episodes. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at MovieTheMusical. If you want to support the podcast, get some sweet bonus content. Go to Patreon.com slash MovieTheMusical and consider becoming a monthly member. Patreon.com. If you donate, you will hear our takes on musical films. You will get a Cats episode. You will get a Greatest Showman episode. You will get a Hedwig the Angry Inch episode. Maybe you'll get a Josie and the Pussycats episode if we can stretch it that far. I don't know. I um, volunteer as tribute for that one. <laughs> I know you do. Um, that's all we got. Keep on singing. Um, God, it's snowing so much outside. <laughs> Oh,